0: Jump right into it. Good evening, everybody. I am the magical Mr. Mephisto, the most dangerous man in Age of Sigmar. Really awesome, awesome guest tonight. I've got Emmett Byrne with me, uh, producer, RPG designer of Soulbound, which has essentially consumed the rest of my time that isn't rant cast. So, how's it going, man?
1: That's what I like to hear. Yeah, good, good. Uh, slightly later for me here, obviously. Um, I'm hitting 10 o'clock. I know you still have the sun. I'm in a darkened room yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here in in, in yeah. Ireland. Uh, yeah, so just in, in the South. You know, all good, all good here,
0: all good. So that's actually like kind of one of the cooler things we were talking a little bit before the show is that you've got like a editor in like Kentucky. Um, I know you had a lot, a lot of the the a lot of play testers and some some other like contributors were Australia. Like you have a very international crew, and I guess before I ask you. What I want to ask you about that your your title what is your title producer producer so yeah. what does that which entail? means like yeah. different
1: things to everyone right <laughs> basically right. yeah
0: yeah so like I, as a writer I usually so I, I've got a few like self published books been working on a novel forever um, yeah sure yeah you know, secret pro it, it, all, doing writer stuff right like that's what I do producer mm-hmm. to me isn't a label I encounter much unless I I jump over into like script writing side of things so yeah what, yeah what's an RPG producer role like what's what are you like editor-in-chief is it uh, publisher what, what's going it's, what is that
1: it's got it's got a couple of different lines like if you check the credits on a couple of different books you'll you'll see a different title I would say like so producer is generally to it's basically project manager but it sounds nicer than uh than right. project manager um like you know if you go into TV and you go into into animations things like that producer means something different but um generally like you're kind of you're facilitating other things Mm -hmm. um on 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 say like for soulbound or for rpgs like the producers in in cubicle 7 are kind of like the line manager a line developer as well Mm -hmm. so you oversee the line as a whole you plan out everything for the line like what books are going to come and all that kind of stuff and then you're you know okay well we need eight we need 80,000 words for this. Okay. We better get some writers for that. We need X art. We need this kind of stuff. Like, so today I was, um, I was actually going through champions of order, which is one of our new books, um, that we're going to be doing that should be coming out in Q3, Q4. I'm trying to remember what I announced. Um, so I did, uh, like what's I call the storyboard, which is basically a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so say the book is going to be 160 pages, 120 pages, whatever it is. Um, it's PowerPoint. Basically all the slides, Here's all the pages. Here's the text, like, placeholder text, lorem ipsum in there. And that piece of art will go here. A piece of art will go here. A table will go here. And just do that. And then that's your basic structure for the book. So, um, so you
0: actually outline the structure, of, like, is part within your role a little bit. Like, you say, like, this is how long you're, it's supposed to be. And then you go, this is what I want it to kind of look like down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, say, um, it, it depends on what books you're working on. So the Champions of Order book is a... Um, it's a player-facing book, so it has player options and stuff. So that's like, okay, we wanted to kind of sit alongside the core book, so we know we want the structure to be kind of similar. It's like, okay, well, here's your archetype. Archetype image goes on the left, stop block goes on the right, 300 words text go on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you're doing, say, an adventure, so I wouldn't have done an outline for um, the adventures that we have in the work. I know the book we announced, Shadows in the Mist, so that's there's six adventures in that. What I basically said was, Okay, here's how I want the adventures to be structured. I just want okay, a couple of hundred words on the adventure summary, um a couple of hundred words on running the adventure, how to how to run it, and then sixteen thousand words. That is the adventure, and then you structure it as you want within that. Basically, right. Like.
0: Well, with an adventure, you kind of want that writer's agency in there. I think you know, like mm. to to really, but. So you're, you're kind of like equal parts like what would be like a film director in that you've kind of got the the vision and things are kind of conforming to like where you want it to go. But then you're also on that like sort of producer side of things where you're you're making decisions too uh, in terms of like the project on like a bigger scale than what just we see on the page.
1: Yeah, director is actually probably a good analog a good, to some good, extent without blown smoke. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, okay, we want it to look like this. I know what a, a soulbound adventure, soulbound book should feel like. Um, so you try and give as much guidance to writers coming on on that. Um, and then it's, yeah, then, then it's actually like literally people send in writing. I review the writing and I do a producer pass, goes back to the writer, comes to me. Once I'm happy, it goes to editing and editing, do their thing. Um, same with the art. So I, not all um, producers or line managers or whatever you want to call it would do it, but I will spec out the art uh, for a book and I'll communicate with the artists, get them to do the art. And then I have the back and forth with the artists goes off for approval with Games Workshop, comes back to me. I give any feedback to the artist and then it's signed off. So, right. you know, the, the producers in C7 have a lot to do. We review all the art. We review all the writing and we facilitate all the communication within that as well.
0: So, 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 um, and you're allowed to lie. So you're basically the top dog on Soulbound though, like <laughs> of, of bringing that. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Pr- well, pretty much, you know, like uh, say Dom is our CEO, right? So. As the company grew and one of the things with um for those who don't know like two years ago now uh cubicle seven moved from the uk to move to ireland um, and a part of that was brexit honestly because shipping and getting the ready. whole uncertainty just, around yep, that yep, yeah
0: yep just getting ready yep
1: but also like um the the company had been working primarily remotely since then so moving to ireland it was like okay we can get an office we can get more people in-house, we can work as more of an in-house team. Now, obviously, the last three months that's kind of gone out the window, but that that was kind of the goal there. But a part of that was you know, the teams blew up. So we had um, you know, I have I'm in charge of Soulbound, uh, and Zach is our Wrath and Glory producer, and Podrick's our Warhammer producer, and then Dom is our CEO, and Dom's kind of oversees everything and he he touches on everything, but he's at a level now where he can't manage the minutiae so it's kind of like basically we're middle management <laughs> we're like right, right, right. we like you know I'll, I'll look over the line and we all work together but it is as far as soulbound goes yeah along with chatting to dom me and dom would make decisions or i'll just go to dom like hey these are my plans for the books and dom will go maybe we can do this maybe we can do this maybe we can do this and i go okay okay great and then once we're happy with it we do that and it's the same with Warhammer Fantasy and with Wrath and Glory and right, stuff as right. well. So.
0: Right, and just just real quick for the audience, like what what titles all thunder, fall under the Cubicle Seven banner? Which which RPGs, if they're going to go into a store, realistically they're going to look online. What RPGs are yeah, they going to yeah. see under the Cubicle, Cubicle Seven banner?
1: Yeah, so basically we have uh, Warhammer Fantasy Fourth Edition. Um, we have Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound. We have Warhammer the 40K, best one, Wrath, the Wrath and Glory. Sorry, <laughs> the best one, Warcraft. by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then uh,
0: Wrath and Glory, and so, and then oh, go ahead.
1: And now, Wrath and Glory was developed by uh, Ulysses, who are another studio, but we kind of we um, we did a bit of a handover there, and now we are managing the line, right. um, and then we have our own stuff that we're we're building from that. But we have you know the 40K license. Um, you'll see, you might see like Adventures of Middle Earth, which is the fifth edition D and D Lord of the Rings which is still out there. And um, we're doing like a sell off now because uh, we canceled the license. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot. You can still get a few of the books from our store, but most of them are, are uh, sold out. So that's, it, that's uh, in a transitional ring, it period.
0: This, this happens from time to time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then we have a couple of lines that people might have known from years ago, maybe like um, Victoriana is one, which is just a really awesome setting for anyone who knows Shadowrun. Uh, Victoriana is basically like Shadowrun, but in Victorian England, um,
0: which is just awesome. Uh, uh, that, no, that's, that's pretty metal.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's kind of a little, on a little bit of hiatus, but we should have news hopefully in the, in the near future on that. Um there are a couple other ones like the laundry, which is from a few years ago as well, which is a, I don't know a huge amount about but it's it's quite a cool book quite cool concept but the big ones are the three Warhammer books
0: right right I mean that's a huge Warhammer's a oh huge, Doctor Who a huge...
1: Jesus sorry Doctor Who <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man you'd get the Whovians mad at us like let's not do that I already yeah, yeah, like exactly. one of the first like uh one of the first six like podcasts I did I made fun of Doctor Who and so like I'm surprised I'm still on the air um <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Doctor Who system is really really cool um I think Dave Chapman designed it but it's it basically the even the initiative system in that is like you you're you kind of have classes like you can be the doctor but then you have like uh a doer a runner a talker that kind of thing like like they're kind of rolled i like that that. yeah well like the initiative works on basically what the doctor values most so the doctor will value like kind of talking and then like combat is right down the bottom because oh yeah it's the
0: the last thing like the doctor wants to do yeah, yeah yeah
1: It's a really cool system. It's like 2D6, really simple, really nice stuff. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really fun system.
0: See, I mean, that's that's one thing. I, I got to play 4th uh, out ed- I haven't played Wrath and Glory yet. Um, I, I actually miss Charlotte's uh, stream. So she does these really cool, like, teaching streams and stuff. But I did get to play uh, Fantasy with her. Uh, fourth edition, hmm. and so that was a, as I recall, that was like a little bit of a d deep, deep percentile based, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um Which I did play Dark Heresy, and that was also d percentile based. With Soulbound, we're in the like essentially d six dice pools. Um, yeah, yeah. Which actually harken a little bit back to like the old Star Wars. I don't even remember like d six Star Wars, which was like.
1: Yeah, yeah, break. yeah, yeah. We actually looked at. We didn't look at the Star Wars, the actual system for that. I remember we we dug out an old copy and we were kind of looking at the the Force powers and how they were built in that. And when we were looking at building our own magic system and stuff, yeah. But so Wolfrup is D one hundred, Wrath and Glory is D six dice pool, okay. and Soulbound is D six dice pool. I had a I had a like shit myself moment uh of my language um, <laughs> No, you're fine, you're you, can't fine. Get, you can't get demonetized on twitch right
0: <laughs> no no and even if i got demonetized on youtube uh twitch is what pays pays the the bills anyway so like who cares <laughs>
1: awesome um yes yeah, so, so like i hadn't i hadn't actually really looked at uh wrath and glory i think it came out maybe a little bit before i started working with c7 or maybe a little bit after but i hadn't really looked at it um and then we we're about halfway through development on Soulbound of creating the rules and everything. And I looked at Wrath and Glory, and it was d6 dice pool and all this kind of shit. And I was like, oh, "Fuck, <laughs> like, we just made the same game." But um, but no, it's actually. It's, I think it really shows the versatility. And between that and the, the, like the West End games and a couple of other things, you can really see the versatility of just using d6s because mm-hmm. the way they do it is much much different. Like mm-hmm. in with Wrath and Glory, it's um. Jesus, uh 4, 5 and 6 are always successes no matter what.
0: Oh, that's no fun. And the
1: and the 6 counts as two successes.
0: Mm. Explo- they have the exploding um, dice, right? Like they
1: Yeah, but like you know, that gives you the opportunity to, like cool criticals and like for a D6 su- system, it's it's quite there's a lot of crunch to it, which is really really nice whereas obviously with all our goal was specifically to try and like it is a crunchy system at times, but it's it's more so to make it be as welcoming as possible. But Wrath and Glory does a really good job of making it um Having a layer of complexity to a D six system, which right? Is, which is
0: really interesting. Yeah. So see, I, I I've got like um one of the, one of the only like real f- feedback <laughs> I gave during the the playtest process was like the lack of a quote unquote critical. Um, and yeah. We had, yeah. We, had, we had a we had like kind of a discussion around that a little bit, and I remember ultimately coming down for like soulfire kind of being the critical effect where you want that, yeah. like yeah. that huge like that big moment in RPGs because I do think that that's that's part of the fun. And to have yeah. that sort of, like, we're going to talk video games later, I, I promise. Uh, but, like, to have the hold the shoulder buttons to do the big move thing, you know, like, use, yeah. burn the V-trigger moment. That's what Soul Fire is. And so you're, you're kind of getting that, like, that that hit of the critical effect. So, I so I, like, that was really – but, like, what, what you're talking about here is – so when you set out to, like, make your system, you looked at some other stuff, right? Like, you mentioned looking at Star Wars. Did you mm. s- strike out to be, like, I want our system to be different? Or like, how do how do you go in when you're trying to design a system like mechanics?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that and uh, Dom obviously has years of experience in this. So one of the things his come up straight away was like, "I uh, you are X doing Y," and then kind of everything else feeds off that. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you it's you know, you are you are big damn heroes trying to save the mortal realms, right? You know, like, and kind of
0: and that, everything that was, else
1: builds off that.
0: That was Dom's directions, like. You want to be big, damn heroes in Soulbound? Was that like pretty much like it it, it is?
1: Yeah, like we we had. I started working on it just. I think it would have been actually just after Second Edition came out, maybe. And there was a bit of a shift there, but like as a whole, you know, Age of Sigmar is that mythic, epic level scale, and you know, we had Warhammer Fantasy, which is grimy and dirty and very yeah yeah. You're peasants, yeah yeah yeah. So I mean, like. There, there wasn't a huge, there wasn't a huge point in putting out a system that did the same thing. Yeah. So I think one of the things you see with Age of Sigmar, the battle game, is you have a lot of new people coming to battle games, and I think it's it's brought in a new generation of people. 100%, I think one hundred percent. Um, I think like you know one of the things, like I, I love the old world as well because I played second edition the Green Rolling in second edition with Wolfrop as well. Um, the one of the things that the end times did was it gave people a point to step in without the baggage of
0: you didn't however feel, many years. Yeah, you didn't feel like you needed to know everything before to get into the game. Like we as nerds, we like we we basically mm. ask you to show your nerd card, right? Like oh like mm. prove prove I, I don't like that personally. That's that's a big reason of, of how I angle a lot of my shows. Like I, I hate nerd tribalism. Um, but like mm, we, it's yeah. it's there, it's it's there. You have that moment where you're like, oh, show me your nerd card, show me your nerd cred first. Like you, we do this with with comics, with comic. But watch the next comic book movie. When Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. was like the most crystallized moment of this, we're like, oh man, I hope they get, I hope they get the squirrel right. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't <laughs> care. I, I know it's a raccoon. Don't at me, Marvel nerds. Um, like, he, like no, you don't. You don't care. You're just saying that to gatekeep. Like, stop that. But, like, yeah, you, you yeah. had a little bit of that with Warhammer Fantasy Battle where you're like, well, you know, even um, I just recorded a episode with, uh, with Garage Hammer, uh, Dave Wydick and, and Alex G. And he was surprised to find that I had played as long as I had because I just don't, like, do that in the circles where i'm like yeah sure yeah like i just don't talk about like oh yeah like i just never because i don't think longevity of of a fandom equals quality of a fandom like just absolutely no i I
1: think star wars has proven that yeah
0: yeah well you just (laughs) like i don't care where you jump on the bandwagon because if you stay on the bandwagon guess what you're not you're, if, if you stay in the fandom, you're not a bandwagon fan anymore. You're just a fan. And everyone gets started yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And and so, yeah. so, just to kind of bring this back to your point, I think one of the greatest strengths of Age of Sigmar is it is very much a game like you're saying, where, like, it kind of doesn't... When you get into this game, you just go, oh, yeah, Stormcast the Turtles, big lightning got and you can make whatever comparisons to to like greek myth you want and you you can get people on board pretty quick without that like having to establish um even 40k's got this going on right now where it's like oh yeah the empire and the and it's like with 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 age of sigmar like yeah there's tons of lore to be filled in tons and they're they're putting that together and and even your your rpg I think really did a great thing for like world building of what is Age of Sigmar. We'll talk about like probably Brightspear a little bit later um, where you said like these are spaces and we, we're putting in life and we're adding that stuff but when it Ooh. gets right down to it it never does that like nerd litmus test. Like how nerdy, are you nerdy enough to play our game? And so I really, yeah, really yeah, love that. Yeah. I really love that.
1: I I think one of like the most pervasive things about Age of Sigmar is that there's no lore to it. I think it's just the, the and it's completely with second edition I think that's been blown out of the water completely but I think <laughs> I think what Soulbound does it takes it managed. We what we did was like look at all the awesome stuff Games Workshop had already done in like ten different battle tones. So we're like, okay, let's try and put this in one place, right? <laughs> so right. So people can find it. But like even at that, we're like, oh, we should mention this. It was like, well, if we mention that, then we have to mention this. We have to mention this. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, now we're up to like
0: four hundred and fifty pages. Well, I, I, like I'm thinking about how like the like the Age of Myth. It's called the Age of Myth, mm-hmm. and that gives you so much agency to inject whatever you want into the world of Age of Sigmar. Because it's conflicting yeah. accounts of myth and stuff like that. And we know what's going on right now. But like the backstory mm. from an RPG, now I'm thinking in the RPG mind, in the RPG mind, I'd be like, oh yeah, you heard that myth about Archeon doing the thing. It was actually these guys. And like, you can just you yeah. do that. Because history is fluid in a term, when you're talking like myth comparing to myths, it's, I, I love that. And, yeah. and, and it lends itself really well to that heroic scope. Which yeah, yeah, was like a total home run. I not to gush too much over the game that I play and you designed, but <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, one of the things that I RPGs and I, I found myself falling into this trap as well. And again, this was kind of you know, I spent a lot of time working on Soulbound and a, a huge amount of people spent time working on it, and Dom worked on it as well. But every now and again, Dom will come in and just drop these nuggets, and I would go oh, fuck. <laughs> and i just be like shit he's right um but it was like um what was it? like encyclopedia uh, or role-playing or whatever i can't remember what he called it but it was basically like try not to make a book that is just an encyclopedia like make sure it's full of adventure hooks and like world building rather than this city has a population of x this event happened on this day in this year like well even... I, I, and I'm sure people are probably annoyed that there's not, like, a timeline of events in there, because I've seen a couple of people mention it, but it is... Even the current Age of Sigmar is still... It's hundreds of years old, there isn't as many accounts. People can't be bookkeeping while they're running away from chaos. Yeah. You know, so there's...
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I... No, I... Like, actually, Age of Sigmar itself tries really hard. I think it, it tries to not have a timeline like that. That's one of the mistakes that you make, essentially, with... or should say that the the world that was kind of made is they're like this happened and then this happened and then this happened like with certainty and in perpetuity in perpetuity this is what happened yeah and so when like demi griffs suddenly show up people are just like running like there were never demigriffs in this battle oh my gosh ah! like they're just you yeah know? yeah And it, it, it's but
1: like I, I mean i see that with uh when the guys are working on warhammer fantasy they are referencing so many books from like the battle game and then from the end time storyline and from from the all the various different rpg editions from white Dwarf, from however long ago and like oh wait did this was kyle franz here at this time and and you're like trying to keep that aligned and i'm just like i do whatever <laughs> i want
0: <laughs> well well that, that leads us right really nicely to bright spear because you did kind of like pay i i got the sense when i when i even the early content like I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this you can you can slap me with a cease and desist Mm -hmm. directly but when when I was when I was in the playtest period I was just like you it very much felt like this was a game made by people who who loved what they were doing and I got that sense through the whole process uh so it really felt like you tried to honor the game you know like Age of Sigmar Warhammer you tried to honor that while you made this new and different thing um so you, you really kind of paid those nods, like you said, like oh we're like oh man we want to tell them about this awesome thing that happened today, just Sigmar. We're gonna tell them about this awesome thing, like uh, one that stands out is the Necroquake. That's on like yeah. one of the, like the third page in the book. You talk about the Necroquake because like this is this well like it has to be in there, right? <laughs> right, right. And you, you're like oh no Necro like you've got to tell people about the Necroquake and it, you you take these perspectives of the different characters and stuff. It's really cool, but then like you're like okay, but now we're gonna make the thing for us and you throw in this this notion of Bright Spear. So I, I'm really curious. Mm. How did Brightspear come to be? Like, like what the like you like? Hey, we're gonna make our city for our game. I'd imagine you have to go to G, GW I G W. I don't know what it's like to work with them, but they really seem to like kind of have their their vision. And then you have to kind of go, Hey, is it okay? Right? Like, just what's the process of getting that Brightspear in there? Like, why was it so pivotal that you you kind of add that spin on this game that you've really been honoring?
1: sure yeah i mean like uh, look i'm gonna sound like a shill when whatever i say basically but like working with uh, working with games workshop has been great like phil kelly and the the writing team have been made themselves so available to us like where we're like hey what what is this (laughs) and they're like oh that's that's because like you know if you look at the map of actually in our case or you know some of the other ones those places more likely weren't named arbitrarily like Someone in the writing team has an idea of what happened there, even if it's not planned yet. You know, that's just. Good basically, writing.
0: like that's straight up good writing. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah, how yeah. you like, write. Yeah, like
1: you can't write you can't write the name of a place down like arbitrary. the disintegrating shores or whatever and not have an idea of what lives yeah, or it, it, the Isle the Isle of Exiles the Isle of Exiles just north of Brightspear and uh, and Luminous. Yeah. Basically, we we looked at the actual map and we're like, okay. You have Hammerhall here, and you have Anvilgard here, and you have Hallaard here, and Tempestai is kind of down here, and then I think Adassa had just been made here. But you basically have all this stuff in the Flamescar Plateau, right in the around the middle. Uh, and then we're like, oh, but there's nothing down here though, um, down to the like the bottom left. Mm-hmm. And we, but then you know, reading through, and you're like, there's this hint of the Aglaraxian Empire, um, which is like my f- f- favorite bit. Of everything in Warhammer is ba- is the um the Aglaraxian Citadel, and they wiped out an entire army of Corn without shedding a drop of blood, and Corn was so angry that he manifested <laughs> a fist and punched them out of the sky. Like it's so, it's so Corn, but also like really Monty Python or something. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like, great, it, like, like and then
0: the animator died. Like it's it's full on. Like the fist just shows up and
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's fantastic. But, uh, but like
1: the Aglaraxian Empire sounded really interesting to us and there was like a splinter group from them, the Asperian Empire um, I'm trying to remember in my head, I think some of them maybe became ghouls at some point of the Aglaraxians or the... Uh, but anyway, yeah th- and then we we're like, okay, Asperia sounds like a really cool place. We have the disintegrating shores here. Oh, it's com- crumbling into the realm of chaos. Like, okay, well and then we we're like, okay Aglaraxian citadels, okay, what are they? They feel like fallout shelters like in fallout uh-huh. and we'd already used fallout as a bit of a touchstone in the game already we're like you know this is it is post-apocalyptic yeah like steampunk fantasy horror like it, it, it's there's so much in there we're like okay well the citadels that seems really cool all these citadels are really near to a part of the world that is crumbling into the realm of chaos we're like let's put a city there
0: yeah um let's put the is, most it, metal city ever there where they're just like hanging out <laughs> Where this like catastrophic like yeah that's awesome
1: yeah yeah and then you know you it's just like you know yourself when you're writing it's like all these things triggering you go this makes sense this makes sense this makes sense and we're like okay you know a a, a storm host is always sent in to take over to to, uh, liberate a realm get or liberate a a location whatever it is Mm -hmm. and we're going through the storm host and we're like okay these are good these are good and then i think i was just reading like celestial warbringers. i was like these are awesome Oh they can basically see their own death. I was like oh that would really piss sentient off and we've decided that sentient controls this city. So it just really made sense and it's those things that just fire oh, those, and those you get a from...
0: that that connect on their own where you're like it's so it writes itself right that's when you know you're on a great yeah, idea yeah. as a writer. You're like it's basically writing itself. I know I'm on a great idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and you know it's it's kind of us, you know talking, kicking things around myself and TS who's um He's been in the industry for years. He did a lot of writing. He wrote pretty much the entire Great Pirates chapter. Um, he's he's, do, he's doing some stuff. He's done. He did like Dark Heresy years ago. I think it was Dark Heresy. He won the forty k games. He's written on Wolfrope. He's written. He's written on all lines. He's really really good. I mean, it would just be like two two hour conversations. Me and him just kicking stuff around and, and coming up with stuff. Um, and then you involve everyone else and we talk about it. like that. But yeah, um, Bright Spear has been a lot of fun to create. And the biggest kick I got was, you know, the GW were like, yeah, put a city there. Great. Um, and we start coming up with a few ideas, and obviously we everything goes over to, to Games Workshop to be like, hey, is this okay? Is this going to step on any upcoming storylines? Um, is there anything we need to know here? And they're always you know really forthcoming with that stuff. Um, so that had gone over, and then like we got an issue of White Dwarf in the post, and Bright Spear was mentioned in it. I was like, oh, okay, cool.
0: Metal. Isn't that pretty? That's got to <laughs> yeah. be like a really... Yeah. Well, affirming moment right where you're like we did this thing yeah and absolutely now yeah and no, now it's yeah now it's canon in in the mythos of all of warhammer like it's you you did that yeah your, yeah. your team did that yeah so but
1: well, that's it, exactly and you know you're talking about uh, people being excited about what they're making and it's like how could you not be excited about it because one way or another <laughs> for good or for ill the system is going to be remembered because it's the first ever age of sigma role-playing game right Do you know and being handed that opportunity to do that is huge like cuz like so many people i talk to where they're like oh well warhammer fantasy was my first ever rpg and that you know got me into rpgs forever and you know you have the opportunity to be that for someone because you'll have people from and i i've seen it online where you have people who play the age of sigmar battle game and like oh i picked up soulbound you know i picked it up for the lore but hey i might run it and you have the chance to be That stepping stone into a whole other hobby like not that they're going to leave but but it gives them something new and that's like that's huge as a company to be able to go okay here's this huge new thing that we're doing could you make a role-playing game for it you're like yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. well like i you said you said that and like a couple things sprang to mind which is like first of all Um, I've joked that, like, this is my, this is my favorite first edition ever, I can't wait for second edition, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, as far like, you play a lot of RPGs and you go, you go, like, you know, this is good, this is blah, but, like, I, Rifts is, is, like, one of my, like, it's, it's, like, my, my, one of my favorite games, I'm not sure if you've played, like, Rifts or any of the Palladium books, small company out of Detroit, um, I actually haven't
1: played Rift. I've heard well, Rifts mentioned so much, but I me- Rift. Well, because they're
0: post, they're post-apocalypse. Uh, but their mechanics are the opposite of your mechanics. They're everywhere. There's no like centralized thing going on. There's no ladder. There's no. They have D percentile for skills and D twenties rolling for hits and D sixes through D twelves for damage. Like, there's this game is a nightmare mechanically, but setting-wise, it's so. Great, and the the kind of the chaos of the system, you're like, yeah, that makes sense for the post-apocalypse weird game where like essentially nukes triggered <laughs> the like basically the the backdrop is is America like or not America the the world had like a golden age of peace in like the year three thousand golden age lifespans were up to two hundred because our medical science is amazing and then for whatever reason a cold war starts they all start making like secret technology and use it on each other and the planet says f this. And all of magic comes back in waves, tears apart reality, demons and dragons and any fantasy thing you've ever heard of comes pouring through the gates. And now you're in Rifts Earth, Rifts being like the tears in fabric in real time. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's just this that's fucking metal. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, is it a metal? Like, um, but like that's one of those games where like I played that game, and so like every game I will ever play from now on will always. I always think back to riffs. And you yeah, just did yeah. that for an entire generation. And more than that, because like I got into RPGs getting into RPGs, the thing, and I, I, I agree with you, one of the, the most magical things I've seen going on is I've seen war gamers go, I've never RP- played an RPG before, I'm going to go play an RPG now. So you have this like, sort mm. of double, double, like, uh, I don't say burden, but double opportunity. Where you you have two things going on. You're the first Age of Sigmar RPG, but you're also going to be this entry point for so many people who have never touched this this hobby, this this part of part of gaming before. And yeah, yeah. I think you guys like crushed it. I keep referring to this as a bridge game. That's how I, I I try to tell people. I'm like, if you've played either Age of Sigmar or like Dungeons and Dragons, you're gonna be able to go. I can play this game. Was that yeah, a, yeah, Was that a goal going into it, or did you did you know the, did you know the weight of being the first team to tackle this?
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the goal was absolutely to make this welcoming to to new players and to people to brand new role playing possible role players and to like people coming over from Age of Sigmar, but also you know you want something there for people who are the diehard um, role playing game as well. Oh, yeah. now. I had a feeling when, as we were working on it, you know, this, at, at first blush, the the diehard role-playing, uh, role-players who had been playing for 20, 30 years would see the system and go, oh, pff, too easy, fuck that, and walk out. Um, so that's why we had the the create your own character right at the start. We're like, okay, you can do this. You don't have to pick an archetype. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like the goal throughout, and one of the things we always came back to when we had a critical point or a decision point was, does this make it welcoming for new players? And does it make it easy to get into the, the only thing I would say that maybe we ended up compromising a little on would be the ladder. Um, but that was with the idea that it would facilitate ease of play later. Mm. So do you know, like the, the I was never quite happy with. I, was, I suppose I was always worried with how the ladder would be interpreted by people and how it would present to people. Because, you know, you have to you add up these numbers, then you divide them by two, then you get a rating, then you compare the rating to another rating. Like, it sounds clunky and it sounds complicated. Um, it, it's thankfully you,
0: It's not as complicated in play as you think actually. Exactly yeah. Um It, yeah. it seems hyper crunchy. It really does. But then you realize number gives you result result gets compared and that's really the gist of it um but yeah continue yeah Sorry, right. i didn't want yeah. to cut
1: you no like, no, I... no 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 that <laughs> um but it's um yeah it, that, that was one of the things i'm like this is probably the most unwelcoming thing to new players yeah but then like to get the system to work we kind of had to keep it nobody has to keep it. like I'm, I'm happy with it. i'm happy with how it works but it is probably one of the 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 friction that a new player will encounter. I think. Well, you, I think particularly maybe people coming over from something like D and D, where it's just like beat this number. Not, and I think I, I actually found I found it hard as a GM to be like, oh, roll to hit, and they're like, well, what what's its defense? I'm like, oh yeah, I have to tell you, <laughs> like rather than you know, it, if I was running D and C, I keep AC well, secret, you know. Like so,
0: I wanted I wanted to do the thing where this is something I found in my experience is running it now. Not so much as a on the player side, you're like. It, you're just always asking the GM for information, so it's not like it's not a leap for a player. But from a GM perspective, it's like, oh, I have to give you a target number now. And I'm like, usually yeah, I like usually I lie to you about the AC for like the first like three rounds, and then I tell you, like you know, like yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> so like having that like that like uh, so I've established a house rule in my games is like the DN's always four unless I I say otherwise using a little bit of oh, the yeah. rules that are already in the game, which is like the, uh, uh, what is it, like a post-test basically say it's fours and compare successes. Like So I'm like, I'm just sure, going to yeah. take that, and that's going to be a, a blanket rule I, I do going forward. It's fours unless I tell you otherwise. And it's taken us three adventures, and the likes of Vince, Tom, uh, Joe, slash Heywo and Chuck Moore, like paragons of our community, are still asking me the target number. <laughs> I'm like, come on um
2: but yeah, I, yeah.
0: I i don't think it's that bad and it, it, and any D nerd who's complaining about it uh you just pull their thaco card so we talked about nerd cred cards just be like <laughs> yeah, i played yeah. with thaco this is nothing like whatever nerd yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was either you or vince on the one of the streams compared to thaco and i was like that was like a dagger in my heart <laughs> but also like also like yeah Taco. <laughs> well, <is> like the...
0: <laughs> so, so this is that. This is this is um, where we get into like flaws as features, or I don't even want to call it flaws Ooh. as features, but like I call them the sharp. It's edges a feature, story. not a
2: bug. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I I call them sharp edges in design or stories Ooh. or art. Like like for instance, like the imperfections, like a guitarist who's got like a certain like uh, distortion, or like they always like to just do that little thing. You remember that guitarist? For that, those imperfections and those like weird things that they did, because a, a yeah. robot can perfectly synthesize a perfectly played melody on guitar now. So
1: yeah, like, yeah, like you shouldn't run your finger along the the string, but it right. sounds cool. So.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but it sounds cool, and so this is one of those like those 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 sharp edges. They're the things that make it memorable, and not a robot making a thing because a robot would have just been like, yeah, "Yeah." Yeah. so I, I, uh, like, I'm fine with it, like, I really, um, the Thacko dagger, though, where you're just like, no, the thing that's the most maligned thing in, in RPGs, did I just do that, and, um, so, I, I I love this take, well, I mean, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, no, you, you go, yeah, you go, all good.
0: No, I, I love this, uh, from, uh, Erronimus Max, uh, you'll be having very angry nerds arguing over it in twenty years. You gotta take some pleasure in knowing, in twenty years when we're in like third or fourth ed of Soulbound, uh, you know, you're, I, I hope you're still you're working our RPGs. Then some person is gonna talk about this initial this inception of the ladder, <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's gotta yeah. bring you a like a pleasure. I I would i don't
1: know i like if people are talking about in us in 20 years i'll be fucking delighted i will be a very <laughs> happy man you know um well yeah i mean like the, the the reception has been absolutely fantastic too. to it to to pull my um my nerd cred card there you go you have the, shot. yeah my, my first experience with Daco was uh with baldur's gate the, the pc game
0: yeah yeah right
1: uh, on years ago right and i live in a small town in ireland like I think at the time, maybe there was 20,000 people living here. Um, No nerd shops, nothing like that. There was, like, one up in Dublin, but it was, like, a 40-minute train to get there, so you couldn't go. So my first encounter with role-playing games was basically, like, taking the rule book that came with Baldur's Gate, which was, like, 60 to 100 pages or something like that, and basically had the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons rules in it. Um, Basically, take that, and I wrote out, like backwards engineered the rules for AD&D so that we could actually, like, stop playing the video game and just play fucking A&D at AD&D at the table. Yeah. So,
0: so I, 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 I'm I cheating because I know a little bit about your, your background because you, you went into, like, actually on the video game side of things. But, like, it feels to me like perfect poetry that you ended up designing, like, so you reverse engineered a video game to have an RPG system and then you go from yeah. essentially an RPG field... Into uh, designing an RPG, like or essentially from a video game field into designing an RPG, that's fantastic. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's yeah. what we call in writing bracketing. By the way, when you have a like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, that's that's perfect. No, I I love that. Um, Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment. But I've drawn a lot of inspiration from Planescape with how I've been designing my campaign.
1: Yeah, um,
0: sure. There's a planar element to the mortal realms, to to Age of Sigmar. Uh, two yeah. questions, two parter here. How did you focus on Akshi as like this is the one? And I, mm. I and and then you're like this is it's got to be Akshi, right? Like at some point you you had to be kicking around ideas, so you went it's got to be Akshi, and then do like w- what about the planescape element? You know about realm gates? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, that that came up a few times um, because you know one of the big draws for Age of Sigmar is you have eight infinite realms. You, you can do all these things in these different realms, um, but for an RPG to go okay, well, there's eight infinite realms. Put that in 300 pages. The, the uh, is, is kind of daunting. So, it's so... impractical. It's basically impractical. Yeah. you're not you're <laughs> yeah. not
0: you're not going to get any degree of, of of meat on that bone. Because you're just going to do all structure, all, you're going to have to go super basic and all the eight realms and populate it with all your own information. And you're going to have to get yeah, the most yeah. surface level take to get it into a you know 300 yeah. page book.
1: Or but even even at that, you know, we, we um, we're like, okay, let's do actually, because a lot of the key moments in history for Age of Sigmar happen in actually, okay. and it's also one of the most fleshed out realms. But there's still a ton of room there, you know, like initially we're like, oh, let's set it in Hammerhall. And we're like, "Mm, let's not set it in Hammerhall. Hammerhall has its own thing and its own story. Um, Some of the other cities are super interesting. We're like, okay, well, let's make a new city and see what. A part of creating BrightSphere as well was to show new players how one of the cities of Sigmar is built and constructed. So when you go to Brightspear, you see it's in the process of being constructed. Because basically what happened was the city was freed from uh, Tseinch. So Tseinch had overrun the city for hundreds of years. Basically took it over during the Age of Chaos and held it ever since. For some reason, Sigmar never went there. And then Sigmar decides, I want that city, go and take it for me. And Celestial Warbringers rock in and push Tseinch out. They start setting up the city. You know, you have a city that's already there. As far as you know, there's no Realm Gate there. But there's a city that's been there. It's not with the Azerite um, architecture. <clears throat> and they're like, okay, well, let's build our Grand Conclave. Let's roll in the cog forts and start building our walls and bring it out in rings. And just as they start to build it up, the Necroquake happens. So basically everyone gets wiped out again and they have to start rebuilding again. But, you know, when you come in, in, the, in the starter set, you get to see... The progress they've made but also what's going on so you know you see flagellants going around whipping themselves and uh, purifying the land you see bright mages going around and burning out the chaos taint and you see the cogfort rolling through and building up the walls and you actually get to see how one of the cities of Sigmar is built um, so that was again some of the idea with uh, with Brightspear but you know the Great Parch gave us something to latch onto at the start and then build out of um, you had that with some of the other realms as well you know if you go to the second edition core book each, each of the realms gets a page or two mm-hmm. maybe four um, and you get a good grounding of what they're like um, but the the great parch had a bit more and it meant we weren't looking at a blank page and you know how terrifying that is <laughs> like a blank page is the worst thing you can look at so if you have these things like oh the Aglaraxian Empire oh the Asperians oh the disintegrating shores you can start building stuff from that and it gave us the opportunity to to do that by setting it in the great parch. Now the even at that if you know we have two pages on each of the realms in the book which barely scratches the surface. We've like 30 or 40 pages on the great parch and even at that still only scratches the surface it gives you a lot of places Thanks that you can go and, and, and just... <laughs> really? Yeah yeah yeah. Oh. Um but then you know like the the bright the starter set has thir- 64 page book on brightspear mm-hmm. as a city the shadows in the mist is going to have a 30 40 page section on Anvilguard. so you know it's how far you want to drill down in that minutiae so you have like you could you could do thousands and thousands thank of you for releasing yeah.
0: it after i will have already moved my party out of anvil guard by the way so i've had to really be painting it in broad strokes so like they'll already not be in <laughs> <laughs> and then i will have to retcon everything. <laughs> yeah, they'll go yeah. back. Well, no, like that's the thing is, like they're gonna go back and revisit, you know, things that they have changed, and then I'll have like better and in- detailed notes to. It'll like I'll just like, it'll be fun. It'll be great. I I love the yeah. imp- improvisational aspect of RPGs, um, and that's kind of like I I think that's what the possibilities of this like sort of planescape esque torn this this planescape esque. Uh, yeah. setting gives a gm is is like there's so much you can fill in but i gotta give you threads some details to yeah like latch on to when you read about the flagellants like going through the streets that could give you an idea for an adventure in and of itself right yeah and so like that yeah you, absolutely you've you've done a great job of populating with like details but but this is one of the things I love the most about Soulbound is because I really am one of those GMs who's like I've GM'd for so long, I will just throw away anything I don't like, just like immediately yeah, yeah. jettison it from my from my uh, campaign or whatever. <clears throat> um, but I found in inexperienced GM on the other side, they really do need those details to even begin to tell a story, right? Yeah. And so you absolutely there's yeah. a gr- I, I just this is one of the, I think the one of the greatest successes of Soulbound. Is that there's a bal? I think there's a balance there between the GM who can who's just going to change it if they want to. Uh, shout outs to Monica on the Bonus Six B uh, XP podcast for because that's like their tagline basically. Um, but like you can change it if you want to, or you can like read the the details in, in you know these 32 pages that that TS wrote. You can read those and then really focus in on something. You can run yeah, that like yeah. political intrigue, bright spear story, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: Yep. If you want Absolutely. to f- focus in, you've got that. And you could just be like, this campaign is going to be one year long, and you're never going to leave Brightspear. It's just going to be like Zintian yep. plots versus and you're posturing around and you're going to find about something like hidden under, under city and, and you know, just the brain explodes with possibilities.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, the, one of the things that I, I, I think I mentioned this on Charlotte's stream but one of the things that always put me off um, role playing in the Forgotten Realms was getting something wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because we.
0: Well, I read group, book. Like, uh, I read Driss book and it says this thing, right? Like.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and if you've ever played a Lord of the Rings game, holy shit! Like, one of the most terrifying things I've ever done was run adventures in middle earth for a, a load of <laughs> lord of the rings fans yeah fucking terrifying because like my talking knowledge is okay like but it's not i haven't read the silmarillion like yeah, I've, times. i've read the know? silmarillion
0: once <laughs> in like the eighth grade that's as much as i know uh enough to name a character more because they gave you a dictionary at the back of the silmarillion on uh the the elder like la- the uh the elven language right yeah that's as yeah. much and I think Morku is like Dead City is what More Q was. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, any of these people who just, like, study it and link all the plot lines together, I'm like, I am going to disappoint you if you're here yeah, exactly. for, yeah, the, yeah. for the for the most rich Tolkien-esque plot. I find this a little bit like with Vampire the Masquerade as well, like some of the, the White Wolf RPGs where you're sure, just, yeah. there's so much about their meta plot And adherence to the meta plot and adherence it's got to be the meta plot the meta plot the meta plot i heard someone complaining about one of their splat books and they're like he didn't tell me what to do and i'm like good (laughs) like like, good figure it out like i i don't know
1: Mm -hmm. um but i think that's a lot of people and you know it's it's maybe the first interaction with something like that and it's a it's a step towards that um kind of freer System, like, you, I, I think Soulbound has actually pulled in a lot of um, D&D players, which is amazing, because right. there's tons of D&D players, so, you know, the more of them, the better. Yeah, thank, uh, and I thank you, D&D. Stranger I, Things. I, I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've played D&D for 20 years or whatever, um but one of the things i found with some players that come from D&D or come from other more rigid systems is the abstraction and the kind of loose nature of some of the stuff in Soulbound, they just bounce off. They're just... They they don't know how to how to handle it, and they they ask questions about you know uh, how how long do I need to sleep or how much food do I need to eat a day and and things like that. Whereas it's more you know it's so kind of up to the cranial. GM and it's kind of hand wavy, you know, like yeah, yeah, like oh that that was it. I saw a post on um, one of the Facebook groups, and it was how much weight can my character carry? Um, but then someone else. Basically replied to it and we're basically like you know your character is Captain America or Iron Man they don't need to worry about their carrying capacity like they're they're heroes you know mm-hmm. um Yeah which well, is
0: yeah Vince mentioned like that was one of his like I think we did our we did our shows like Vince and me like kind of talking about like our first impressions mm-hmm. right after the book came out and one of the words we kept going back to was abstractions like mm. soulbound for as as like as i feel like galvanized as like uh, some of the crunch is in the ladder and like some of the numbers, and 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 of like the character building, and and that sort of thing. A lot of the the structure around it is very so. You're like you 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 have a solid core, but then it's a bunch of abstractions mm. around that on the outside, and that's that that's that's a very delicate balance. Did you go in going like we want to, we don't care about your carrying capacity, we don't care about. Uh, like so much travel. ammunition yeah ammunition oh, ammunition is yeah. a great one by the way like so thank you for that by the way thank you so yeah. much for that
1: like some I people have... love counting arrows that that's wolf rope you know that's
0: <laughs> i haven't i haven't counted ammunition probably for 20 years yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
1: like i think it's is it um uh, mutineer zero uh by free league free league and they they do a thing where they don't have ammunition but it's like after you fight, you roll a dice, and if you get something, you lose ammunition. Like so you could not fire off five hundred shots, but then if you roll a dice after the fight, you'd lose some of your ammunition, which is kind of a cool way of handling it.
0: It's I've seen resources. It's not
1: quite Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's not quite managing your inventory, but in something like a post apocalyptic game, which is what Mutant Year Zero is, that's important to the story. In something like Soulbound, having Certain amount of arrows is not important. No. You
0: know? No, not on the not on the the Iron Man teams up with Captain America like to go fight Thanos story. Like it's mm. it's not that important. Um I, 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 I appreciate that I, I dig that. Um I, I see this, this this uh uh line here from Delayed Elaine in chat. Uh that came up in our stream. Shout out to there. Elaine. Woo! Yeah, so so Elaine I, I sense has worked on Soulbound some.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, Elaine is Elaine Lithgow, who wrote the entire Beast basically, and also some stuff that was cut from the Beast including including some awesome quotes. But Elaine wrote Crash and Burn, uh, our new free adventure, and she's writing on uh, Shadows in the Mist and tons of other stuff for us.
0: I'm I'm going to be running. Um. Uh, so I wasn't supposed to run an entire persistent campaign. By the way, this is, uh, this is like chat gang information for you, chat gang, because it probably means nothing to Emmett. Um. I wasn't supposed to be Once I start
1: driving to work again and I can listen to podcasts, I will be all over the streams.
0: Oh, the Soulbound... I hope you're watching the best damn Soulbound show ever, or you're listening to it. Um, No, we... we, uh, I I was just going to, like, showcase... I wanted to, like, have a bunch of, like, content creators come together and just, like, showcase and play the game. (laughs) And it was going to be, like, kind of a once-off. And they're like, yeah, but, like... But then me, the writer brain, goes, okay, so, like, how much do I need to map this out for? Like, I have to have a structure. I need to know how long I'm going to run this. And they're like oh, dude, if you're just going to run, keep running this, I would love to get together every Friday and just play with you. And I'm like, I have to write a real campaign. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but my intent was to do, like, one-shots with, like, some of the chat gang here and, like, keep going. So, Elaine, so, I'm actually – your adventure has now stepped in, and I'm going to be running people through that, like, kind of on a monthly basis for a little bit here, to make up for the fact that I was supposed to only do Soulbound – like a soulbound showcase, and then like kind of keep coming back to it. Now I've got like a, a second weekly show, which I did not intend. Uh, but like, <laughs> that's that's I think a testament to how great this game is. Is like it's it's very it's got like a, like, an addictive quality. Like, I like I can't stop thinking about the next adventure, the 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 next. Plot point. I can't start thinking. I can't stop thinking about like. I can't wait for them to do Shyish eventually. Like I can't. Where i yeah, just, yeah. you know, like we're we're Me like. Too, <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You don't need to fast track Shyish It'll get here if it, if it ever gets here. But like you know, like you've got to actually. M- Shaiish would have to- been in the
1: core bulk if I had my way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Death is best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. um No, it's 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 like, it's really well. I mean, the Necroquake is a big focal point. Um, my, uh, I think it is spoiler. The plot point in my campaign is that the main big bad evil guy drew inspiration from the Necroquake, and it hasn't been determined what inspiration, uh, the big bad really? evil guy drew. And we're, you know, we're kind of working our way, we're, we're kind of Tarantinoing our way through that right now, uh, jumping around, right? Um, Night. but, uh, yeah, I, I just, this, this game, uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Elaine, and then I got on a tangent within a tangent. So, so thank you so much. <laughs> no spoils. No spoils. People are still watching this. Vince has taken our joy. Yeah, Vince playing Skig. Well, that, that actually is a good point.
1: You'll get your damn horse, Vince.
0: <laughs> One of them, bitch. <laughs> I, we, dude, I love that we, this is, this is that sharp edge moment for me. Is, we, think about the enjoyment all of us me and Vince specifically, but everybody else has had with the horse joke, just constantly, like...
1: There's a realm of metal, so <laughs> swords are cheap. There's not a realm of horses. I know there's a realm of beasts, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I like, I, I don't know, like, I don't want to get... I, like, I'm not interested in, like, the granularity of, like, horses in in, in in the fireplace where there are deserts, but also tons of lush jungles, by the way, so... Uh, you know, yeah. katha like, there
1: Kotha is uh, is fucking like snow. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, well, what's well, that? There's the awesome cannibal horses. What are they called?
0: Oh, yeah, cannibal horses. Yes, there. Yeah, sold.
1: W- I think they're in actually. Actually, hang on. <laughs> uh, I almost put them in. I maybe I mentioned them. Cannibal horses. Age of Sigmar
0: <laughs> well, my search history is. Just... How did anyone write <laughs> anything? Oh, any writer's search history, by uh, the way. Is just
1: cannibal go. horses of caldera. There you go. <laughs> the Cannibal horses of the caldera. <laughs> yep. Like,
0: like how do how did how did we how did writers how did we write anything before the internet? Like I, I have no idea. But Books, like, I guess. the browser history is like I actually had like a, a knot. Uh, the most recently like, I, I I had to uh, look up like knot tying and stuff. And it sent me down the weirdest browser history I've ever had because, like, you tie in, like, various nooses and, like, yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, if anyone reads this, they think I'm a psychopath. Like, they well, like, just... I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I, I tweeted about this the other day, right? And and when I want to get to any of my spreadsheets or anything, I just type it into the search bar because I use Chrome and it remembers everything. Right, right. right. So my starter, my starter set art tracker is titled AOS underscore SS underscore art tracker. So I type SS art and I actually pressed enter and it came up with SS artifacts, like artifacts of the SS. I was like, oh, oh fuck. no! Now I'm on some list somewhere. Yeah. But uh, J- I saw um, Jacob, who's writing our starter set. He <laughs> tweeted the other day that. Uh, he was looking up the density of human flesh <laughs> <For> <laughs> adventure as well like it's just you have the weirdest fucking shit
0: oh man like i i had to do um so I, so I, the 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 novel i was work i i i've been working on off and on um there's this whole thing with like the chicago fire and this is like big pivotal point in history because this is when like a bunch of demons got through the gate and they covered it up and so i'm like looking into like just a bunch of weird, like geopolitical stuff, and I'm like, people. Th- I'm on a list. The NSA knows. Like they just like I'm on a list <laughs> now. Um, but I, I I have to I have to believe that the NSA also has a category where like when you're writing or you're designing something, where they're just like, oh, it's a writer's computer. Never mind. They just and they just yeah, throw you yeah, in the writer yeah. ignore. folder. <laughs> like, <Yeah. ignore. laughs> oh, it's a writer. Like let's see. Uh, they're they they intermediate like periods of unemployment uh drinks yeah. heavily uh, like they they see like your whole bio and like oh this is a writer and they just throw it in the folder
1: <laughs> yeah exactly just put it in the pile yeah, yeah, put it in the... yeah.
0: if we need to come back to it
1: <laughs> yeah. um how long I like, someone, I mean, like how this...
0: long can someone survive in a forest fire
1: <laughs> yeah 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 the yeah. realms do not want you to live they just don't
0: well it's, um, it, yeah I mean that's that's a that's a big challenge and the other part of it is like the the human civilization human elf dwarf civilizations in within the the realms like they have to have a pretty good reason for persisting because the whole yeah. world is out to destroy them
1: yeah I mean that was one of the one of the most fun things that um I think uh, was it TS or it was it was in maybe the mortal realm section I think it was TS but it basically he made a little chain of why each realm kind of needs each realm. And it was like, yeah, okay, we have, uh, say, Hammerhal Aksha, which is basically Hammerhal Aksha needs food, which they get for Hammerhal Gyra. Hammerhal Gyra needs lava to burn back all the plants. Uh, and it was like the the Akshi trades wood, the like fire-blasted strong wood with Shaish, because Shaish has only like brittle dead wood and they need the strong wood to build stuff but Shaish has these really cooling fruits that just keep everyone cool and actually so they trade them back for and it's you know you have like all these animals in Gur and their their uh, furs and meat is traded with people in Chaman and then Chaman trades the metal back with the people from Gur and it's just, like a it crazy ecosystem of people ping-ponging around through realms to trade with each other
0: I mean that's that's amazing um, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, so you, you had like the, these, these possibilities and now you got to like give people characters to interact with this world. Sure. Right. How did you approach that? Because you like, did you look at the minis? Did you look at the armies? Did you, you're like, I need to give people a way to interact with this super deadly, super lethal world. Um, where, How does that start? And where, like, what was the like sort of drive there? Because sure. you, I mean... you, you, you mentioned already like, hey, you're going to be basically superheroes. You already knew that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I put the soulbound like I consider the the Stormcast Eternals are kind of the the Avengers. I think the Soulbound are like Suicide Squad or X Force. I prefer X Force because I'm more of a Marvel fan. Right on. Um, but like they're the kind of black ops p- team that they get shit done. Um, but again, you know, it was okay. We decided okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um. Archetypes are easy to understand. They're easy to gain. And, and I think Vince mentioned it a few times. They're like 80% done. You only have to make a few choices and you're good to go. But here's the character creation rules if you want. So again, archetypes are very easy for everyone to understand. Uh, quick to just pick up and play. They're recognizable to people coming from the battle game. It gives us a strong base to build from. Because we know what they should be. We know what a Nightquester should be. We know what a Colonel Hunter should be. And we can quite concisely explain that to a new player. I just get them going. It's like okay, I'm a big tree with a bow and arrow. Happy day is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we wanted that kind of. That was the level we went. You know, we have knights for the Stormcast Eternals, which are not Lord Arcanums or mm-hmm. Lord. Even though I'd love to put some of those in, but um, so yeah, that was kind of the the goal of introducing those types of characters and having them be at around that power level. It's and they're another way into the world. Um, it's it's a way to understand the world. Someone can go, oh, I'm a Caradron. I just have to learn about the Caradron. I don't have to read this 350 page book, right? As well,
0: like I like I want to play Caradron. Like, boom, got it. Um, yeah, I I do like that within your your stat build. Like, essentially, you make the the concession early that like Stormcasts are just better than you and deal with it, which yeah. felt like a really good decision. Uh, this reminds me of like, r- going to go back to Rifts real quick. One of my favorite games is is uh, Kevin Symbedia the the designer of that game. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a sentence early on that like not all classes are going to be equal because life's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really like yeah, yeah kind yeah, of true. a cynical way of putting it, but it's like but like yeah, Stormcast should be better than just the regular thing, even though you're all awesome. Like Stormcast are Superman, and like and you're you're still Batman. You know, like, you still get yeah. to be awesome, but... Yeah. Know, so I, I like that. Did you make that... Did you know that that was the call going in? Like, stormcaster are just going to be better? Or did you, you do the numbers first and figure it out? Afterwards? Yeah,
1: I, th- I th- we are basically like, Stormcasts are going to be better. How, how do we... They are immo- immortal god beings that have to come back. But again, it's 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 where do you put the balance, right? Where is that balancing factor? And for a lot of time, I think, for people...
0: Well, they can't Soul Fire. They can't critical. Playing... <laughs> but yeah...
1: Yeah, like, people want to know, okay, these are stronger. Why are, why are they stronger? Where is the balance in this? And it's, it's, it's like an illusion of balance to some extent. Yeah. Like, yeah, Stormcast get five extra XP, but, you know, the other species get essentially two extra XP, so there's only really three extra, extra XP in the difference. Right. depends on how much weight you put on being able to be reforged. Um then you have, okay, well, I have sigma right armor, I have sigma Rite weapons. You basically have the best ar- best stuff in the game Starting from the out get-go. With,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think qu- pretty quickly they'll even out, or, you know, the Soulbound might exceed them, but it's presenting it kind of upfront. The, these These things are better, because I remember playing um playing Dresden Files Fate and playing, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer unisystem and Angel unisystem, And in that, like, you're the slayer. So someone can be a slayer and someone is just like Xander, who's just like a regular dude just walking around. And it's like, how do you get that balance? And the way both games handle it is essentially with great power comes great responsibility. You get less choice because you have a responsibility because all this power came with this responsibility. So I think in, like, Unisystem, it was like Buffy. I think there was, like, um, essentially fate points. There were hero points, I think. Yeah, yeah. And Buffy got like five. She was a Slayer. She was already super powerful. So she only got five hero points. But then like the he- regular people got like 10 or 20. So they could have those moments of, oh, I did something amazing and I, I helped out in a-, in a crunch moment. But they didn't have the base stats to back it up. Right. I think Dresden Files handled that kind of similarly with um fate system is, you know, if you're really powerful, you have less fate. So you can influence the world less. Mm. Um. And then, so then we were looking at Stormcast Eternals, it was like, okay, well, they are Stormcast Eternals, and aside from the Nyquester, they should be with their Stormhost, you know? They are more powerful, but they have a responsibility to go back to the Coast or be part of the Stormhost. They answer to Sigmar. They don't have the same autonomy as the Soulbound. Even though the Soulbound are essentially servants of God, They or a god or multiple gods, they don't have the same autonomy as the Stormcast Eternals. They or sorry, they, they they have more autonomy than Stormcast. They can kind of go and do whatever they want. Right. Whereas Stormcast have to go. Hey, I have to go back and sign in for a for a little while with Sigmar. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and and yeah. you did you did you knew Reforging was going to be in the game. I feel like as a as a GM, like just a random GM running a bunch of games, the ability to self resurrect. You're just like, oh, that could break the game, right? Like just imagine mm-hmm. one in every five players can just do that. And You're just like, oh, they're gonna. Uh, well like age of sigmar that's a feature of what the storm what even allows uh you know the, the like the civilized civilization to fight back against chaos to begin with is these every battle is 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 thermopylae stormcast eternals right like yeah. so like that's got to be in there and you could have made it mechanic you could have said you come back in 3d6 weeks you could have You could have done that, and you said, no, it's narrative, talk with your GM. I mean, that's a really, I feel that's super ambitious. I don't know, uh, like, we've got probably a a spread of, like, an audience right now who've played RPGs to a varying degree. You've just said to the GM and player, figure out how you self-res as a feature of your class that you're about to play or your archetype you're about to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it it is that, you know, like, because... You know, I, I've seen people talking about weaponizing the uh, the last stand with uh with Stormcast Eternals, which is like, yeah, great. That's kind of what they're made for. They're <laughs> they're supposed to do that. Yeah. Like one of my favorite things, I think it's mentioned the Realm Gate Wars where a battle went on so long that a Stormcast died and came back to be part of the battle again. Like, that's how long it went on. And it's, you know, does it take days, does it take months, does it take years? Um and there's there's more of a threat to reforging now with the necroquake, which honestly we didn't have the time or space to get into in the book um but saying that i was working on champions of order today and we have a section dedicated to reforging with like four pages or something dedicated specifically to reforging and how it happens and all that kind of stuff it's it's not mechanizing it it's not three these six weeks you come back but it has like okay well you come back you pick up like a little trait or a little quirk and we have another lovely table you can roll on to get like a little storm tables are fun. fun yeah um, but it just helps you kind of manage that a little bit more um,
0: well like so, I yeah. think about the novice GM who's not quite certain when to do it right you're giving them more tools to like go oh yeah I should have it re-resurrect now and it should have this impact on the story or it should have this impact on the character you're giving them tools yeah
1: yeah yeah, no, I yeah. Don't... I mean it was trying to empower the GM to some extent as well you know um, just to say and I, I think maybe uh, maybe a lot of people felt this but for me and for my group of players our play style changed completely after we played uh, apocalypse world
2: mm.
1: when we i don't know if you've played apocalypse world but um, it's very much shared storytelling and it's it starts off with okay the apocalypse happened and it's not necessarily what was the apocalypse it's okay well where are you now what is the world like mm-hmm. um who what settlement are you in who's there blah 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 and you play the different characters and it's much more like you'll be playing the game and and you'll say oh is there uh is there somewhere around here i can buy weapons and the gm will go is there somewhere around here you can buy weapons who sells you weapons and then the players kind of come up but it's like oh well i'm 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 this mechanic guy maybe i'm actually the one who sells weapons to people or you know maybe i know someone who knows a guy and it, it made us all really invest in building the world and creating a shared narrative um and for me and for my group, we took that into all of our other games. We still have, obviously, the GM where they, for the most part, come up with the story. But everyone felt empowered to create stuff about the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the time it was asking permission to do it. And there is yeah. still some of that. Because you have to, you know, I'm, I'm in a good position where I've played with the same group for 20 years. So we all trust each other. We all know what we'll do and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, empowering players and GMs to do that is well, is a big thing.
0: If I, if I may, um, we kind of almost touched on this a little bit earlier, and we, we moved past the point, but this is a great time to bring it up. Um, RPGs are, and tabletop gaming in general, is the, the biggest, you have what's called the entertainment dollar, right? The, the disposable income, the entertainment dollar. It's the most coveted sure. dollar in in. in capitalism it's the the entertainment dollar the, <laughs> woo, the, 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 capitalism. Woo. yeah right um but like it, it, tabletop gaming specifically and this includes ccgs and rpgs as well as traditional board games this is sure, the yeah. biggest booming industry of the entertainment dollar you've got sports which is largely stagnated especially with what's going on with covid in the world um you've got movies you've got video games video games have also that the entertainment dollar for for video game that's been stagnating. That that has been sort of that, that industry has been seeing sort of whilst they're making tons and tons of money, there's not a bunch of growth. Right? So like you look yeah. at it, you go, oh, they're making billions and billions of dollars, but there's really not growing. Whereas like RPGs are growing. CCGs are growing. Like the, It's just, it, it seems exponential every year. And it's, this has been the trend for about 10 years. More and more people uh, I made the joke about Stranger Things earlier. More and more people are coming to play an RPG. They're they're going to play like settlers of catan like what you know there yeah. more people are are playing traditional games i have a theory that i think as we become more digitized we're looking for ways to connect to people more again and that's what the, yeah. that's why i think the entertainment dollar has grown in tabletop traditional gaming um but you have more people f- f- essentially flooding into rpgs and you have this because you don't have those 20 year groups where the trust is established, like I know that if I throw horror themes out of nowhere against like Heywo, he's not gonna like cringe and like completely recoil from the game. I described death a little bit too long for for like a new player recently, and I'm like, oh, okay, I I didn't know, you know, like yeah, yeah. You you have to kind of like that's a new that's got to be a new challenge for RPG design because before we I feel like we took for granted that we were. You know, oh, like you're just gonna be playing with your friends. No, you're gonna go to a convention. You're gonna play this with a bunch of strangers. Yep. You're going to yep. uh, throw out a a post on Roll Twenty looking for group. You know, to play a game. You're you're going to meet a bunch of people that you've been playing war games with, but you've never RPG'd with them before. It, there are mm-hmm. different, completely different strata to personality types and where you go with your characters and how personal an RPG can be. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, you just you tabled me turn one. I am so disconnect uh, connect. It, it, the difference between an RTS and an RPG are very pronounced. To use video games, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you're playing essentially the when you're in the war game. Uh, what's what's the word you use for it? The 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 combat game. The the battle. Game? Oh, the battle game. Yeah. yeah. The battle game. When you're playing the battle game, there's like a big disconnect, right? You're you're up. Yeah. You're, a, you're a disembodied head and a hand moving around doing the stuff when you're in a character it's a lot different so there's yeah, absolutely. so there, there's got to be a challenge of designing rpgs now that there is this kind of, kind of boom that you have these new players alike you, you 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 can take for granted you know 20 you know 20 year relationships that's got to be a small challenge and you talked about empowering players empowering gms how did you approach that for this game a very very loaded question i'm sorry but yeah
1: i mean like no i i, I think it's a big challenge i think it's something worth um definitely it, it's worth discussing and it's something that everyone should be comfortable discussing because you know I, I i've seen a lot of things where i think it was evil hat no i, I could be getting my company's mixed up but Evil Hat put out the accessibility toolkit which was making rpgs accessible to people with various different um Disabilities or 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 needs, whatever they had, and I think it was Monty Cook maybe put out the basically like a, a sheet of what you were comfortable with in RPGs. There's a couple of them going around, but it's like what you're comfortable with horror themes, what level, how comfortable you are with it. and there's a tier of of what you can do. And I think that's hugely important for like even people who've played together for years, because you see all these dickhead comments on these and they're like oh you know i trust my players i know that i can describe x y and z it's like yeah that's great for you but not everyone gets to play in that some people are finding games on Roll 20 some people are walking into a um walking into a shop and playing some people are playing on stream with people they trust and then something happens or you know there's so many different scenarios where these things can happen so if you have there's no harm in clearly defined rules right The, the harm is like oh we have to step back because we made a mistake but you can give yourself those tools to prevent as much as possible something bad happening you know and it's being much more aware and and like for myself and yourself we are lucky enough to be like white men in our 30s so we don't have a like realistically we don't have a whole lot of problems to worry about we're not people of color like I'm just like I've grown up in
0: a society where I don't even have feelings anymore like
1: Yeah, we're not we're not minorities. We're not people of color. We're we're not part of the LGBTQ plus community. Anything like that that we have to worry. Even just you know a a a woman or female gamer walking into a a store to try and play. That's you know it it could be uncomfortable, and that's part of the reason that oh it's a male dominated industry because women don't want to play. It's like well a lot of times probably women didn't feel comfortable playing. Um, but I think those tools are are hugely important. Um. One thing we did was um what we did and again part of making the rpg as accessible to everyone as possible and, and for new gms was we had a chunky game master chapter
0: i love the and, GM chapter by the way um, I nice. like the, 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 um option, the option rules i know there's some uh there's there's some like uh i know vince and i are uh, particularly guilty of making fun of the rules section uh like but like i love the. i, I actually do love the gm section because the, the the sort of the tools and the. Uh, well i think what you're about to explain so continue
1: yeah yeah so we have like a session zero in there um how to run a session zero all that kind of stuff and, and Chris, katrina ostrander wrote that she's um she's uh with fantasy flight actually um and it was before she was with fantasy flight <laughs> just we, we didn't poach her anyway but um but well, she actually had a much larger chapter on dealing with problem players and the different kinds of players. How to um, how to like interact with them at the table, how to get their buy in and stuff. So we had about Jesus, probably about ten pages, maybe. I think we had to cut from that that we are going to be putting on our website. But it's it is those kind of tools, like okay, running a session zero, running with people you're not used to, setting ground rules. Um, content warnings what people are comfortable with, what people are not comfortable with and it's making all that stuff like addressing it front on um one thing that the kind of like cubicle seven tagline though i'm not sure we use it that much is basically everyone's invited to the fun yeah i would say with the caveat as long as you're not a dick basically Don't be a dick. um yeah, get out. yeah you're invited to the fun as long as you're not invited to the fun uh, well, yeah, the the, 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 the could... Will Wheaton don't don't be a dick.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> you need to see un- unpack it a little bit, but like, if you're a dick, you're excluding other people, and why should I include somebody who excludes people exactly. via the transitive property of being a dick? Mm-hmm. You have made me a dick. So yeah. if you a dick, get out, like the Will Wheaton. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bye. No. Um, don't let the door hit you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was. It, it, I think. I think those things are very important I think now especially with that expanded player base you know what this might sound really condescending but kind of what we teach people as they're coming into new RPGs and and, and if the goal of Soulbound and some of our other games is to bring new people into the hobby what we teach them now will be their habits for the next 20-30 years and as they introduce new people that'll be their habits and you know that'll be the norm um so you know on, on Charlotte's stream and on a lot of other streams you you know when it starts it's okay what's your what pronouns do you prefer um yeah. and just normalizing that is a huge step oh, yeah. i think doing that 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 kind of thing is like at the table okay here's a checklist what are you what are you comfortable with are you comfortable with what level of violence what level of horror um you know and then you have you know stuff like whatever whatever yeah. needs to be talked yeah. about oh, yeah there's some there's, whatever, there's some,
0: some i i've got a couple of uh of decided rails that they're just they're no fly zones like i've always had yeah. them as a gm but you have other you uh, other gms aren't me you know like they don't have the same uh like background i have with with you know my life and my storytelling like my, the fact that i come from a biracial family has been really um it's it's made me already start trying to see the world from different perspectives which is what sure. for me RPGs kind of are is like you get to like go in and be somebody else, right? But like you're always yeah. going to have that common thread of who you are, and I think that like RPGs are great for. I'm going to go. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be. I, I'm going to be a bold prick now. I think RPGs make the world a better place, like straight up. I think that they teach yeah. us empathy and um, like. Yeah, there's the problem solving and we can talk about the math aspects, some of the more measurables, but I think that like they teach you empathy. They teach you how to think about the world from a different perspective. And if more people played RPGs and not just the murder hobo, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harsh your mellow, if you if you love murder hobo campaigns, honestly like awesome. You know, like if you're having that like push button receive fun, hit the loot pinata, get money, level up I will never get mad at that style of gameplay. I will never degrade or deride anybody for, for having fun that way. Uh, that's not my thing. But, like, sure, yeah. if you're going to, like, you know, f- truly kind of, like, get into a character's mindset, I've actually watched, like, kind of Chuck Moore in real time. Uh, he said on my show, on RANDcast, multiple times, like, oh, I just always play myself in games. And this is actually from mm. the capacity of talking about, like, Mass Effect the the renegade yeah. versus the paragon playthrough. He's like, well, I'm just like I just always play myself. I'm already watching him kind of like go like weird, rampant, murderous, and I'm like, I'm I'm just like I'm I'm I see you exploring yeah. parts of your your mind and and seeing it from this like yeah, maybe it's hyperbole, like you have a hyper like a like an exaggerated view of like what a murder murder murderous witch elf might be, but also I get to see the gears turn between having to make that the way your character interacts with our totally made up world and then who you really are. And I think that in, in that space between people really explore who they are. And when you throw in other people doing that, you have all of this space to explore just the human condition, not to be too lofty yeah. about it, but I think that's what makes RPGs truly special.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's the same as, you know, fiction, is a way for us to tackle stuff that we're uncomfortable with. And you see the rise. Like, I, 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 uh, I looked up, um, I was looking for a new book. And I was like, okay, uh, top, top um, horror fiction novels of 20, 2020, 2019. And, like, <laughs> four, four or five out of ten of them were about um, an apocalypse caused by us ignoring climate change. And that was basically, oh, okay, that's what's on people's mind. But in, in relation to RPGs, I think RPGs can be a really great place for tackling those heavy yes. themes if if you and the group are in the right frame of mind for it. like So you have things, and this is particularly pertinent now with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and a resurgence going on in the States and around the world. Um, yeah. You might have a thing, a case where someone wants to play a game and they want to explore racism in a tabletop RPG. And if everyone's on board with that, go for it. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of people have to deal with that shit every single fucking day, and that's their fun time. They don't want to deal with that. Right. right? I want so to it's just... Own. Yeah, it's just... The, it's communication. It's, you know, that session zero and that, hey, is this okay? And it's... You know, no one has ever hurt by asking. you know? It, it, yeah. That's the thing. And I think, you know, it's facilitating that as, as much as possible. Well, and,
0: and give... Go on, go on. Sorry,
1: no. Just say, you know, I've had characters in the past. Like, I have one character that I've played for years, and I know that he's gay, but it's never come up in the game at all. But it's just like I was playing the guy. I was like, no, that that feels like that's him. And I have friends I've played with, and you know, they for years they played um, male characters. And then a few years later, they transitioned uh, and it was like, yeah, that was kind of almost, you know, it's, it's a way to possibly explore those things, you know, it's, but again, I'm not best positioned to talk about this, but I think just having that facility for people to yeah, start a conversation, that's all we need really.
0: Right. Right. And, and like, I, um, I, I said pretty, uh, I had, um, uh, I had Charlotte, I had uh, Monica from BXP. Uh, she works for, uh, I guess she'd technically be a rival cause she's helping design like, uh, exalted essence, um and then uh and then my friend Katie who's played the- no rivals Everyone's I friends, I you know I, I think um, I think creation is a collaborative process I will always yeah I mean like
1: I, I I've said so many you know people are like oh I've read you know I have free league books there I've Green Ronin I've Monty Cook like you're reading everything you don't have to read it but it's good to know what other people are doing and you get the ideas oh. you get inspired by it well, like so. I
0: I say at the at the very basic level all knowledge is shared like it's not invented it doesn't come from nowhere like. I look at the same clouds you do. I've probably read Dresden. I've, we we all read and we're consuming re- versions of reality at any given time, and so we're drawing inspiration from all of this stuff at any given time, from a very literal sense to like our environments, to to the the metaphysical or metaphoric sense of like books and fiction and stuff, and then like we draw and we create stuff based on all of that. Uh, yep. and, and that's why I think like the, it's, it's about the, sh- there's an, a shared experience going on when it comes to like creating, like you're, you yeah, that's absolutely. why I don't think it's, I think it's constantly collaborative. Like, you know, yep. I've watched Mad Max as much as anybody else. So like when I see, you know, like cars going fast, I want them to have like crazy, like blah, you know, cause I've seen Mad Max, you know, just like, you're always kind of drawing from your inspirations and building stuff. Um, but where I was going with this is like, um on that show I talked about how like so I grew up in a biracial family and like uh, racist elves and racist dwarves isn't like just really doesn't come up in my games because it's like you what you said is like no 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 I like I, I get it no no I, I, I get it the the whole race element thing and I'm like I don't want to play that right now you know I remember yeah, I remember me and my brother sneaking out of my window because the kids on the block the older kids on the block used to watch us walk to the bus in the morning and they would they would fight us and stuff. And so, like, hiding Jesus and... Christ. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying. So, like, oh, yeah, like, hey, knife ear. <laughs> I'm like... Mm. Cool. On the other hand, I'm not, like, you're not going to offend me because, like, how could you possibly know that story unless I tell you? Um, but on the other hand, it's like, I, I get the checking out from reality aspect of RPGs as well. And that's the important... I'm just bringing this all back to the importance of a session zero. Like, just, like, do you want to explore that? No, I just want to murder Hobo. I don't want to have a moral decision to, like, fight the bad guy. I don't want a moral gray area where, like, there's just... There is a bad guy. And I get to beat the bad guy up, and then I solve the problem. I want a game like that, yeah. you know? Right? Like, I beat the bad guy up, and you're like, yeah, but violence begets more violence. And, like, secretly the bad guy was a good guy, but he was just doing bad stuff, and you didn't know about it. I'm like, I am not signed on for that type of thinking. I will go yeah. and, like... <laughs> like. I I want
1: to fight Voldemort. Voldemort is clearly a bad guy. Bad guy, yeah, like, bad
0: dude. Like, I just want to fight the bad... So I... I, I, What I really... I don't want to, like, tell the heavier... Get onto the heavier stuff to to really just point out that, like, there's also that that service-level enjoyment, but the only way you're ever going to know that is to kind of if you talk to your party, if you talk to your GM, and to give players and GMs the tools to even think that way is, I think, important. And that's why, bringing this all the way, all the way back, why I really love your jam section. Because you even talk about the Session Zero. You don't hit it over... You don't, like, just smash it in over the head with it. Like, you're not just, like, lambasting me with it the whole time. But you, you bring this up, and I think that's enough when you have this new wider field of people. Nerds, not nerds, you know, played RPGs for 20 years, never played an RPG before, they've only ever wargamed. They've played the video game. They played Total Warhammer. And then, like, someone pitched them playing an RPG, and then they saw classic fantasy, but then someone's like, oh, well, you started out as a peasant. They're like, I don't want to be a peasant. I want to be the Justice League. You know, yeah, I want to be X-Force. Exactly, and then they, they, oh, Soulbound then. And so then, you know, like, I think about, like, people coming into playing a game from all different areas and then having just a good fulcrum to balance yeah. it all on and I, that's what i enjoy about sold on i think it does a really good job of like being like here you are you're going to get something familiar depending on where you come in at it from we're going to raise your awareness to like hey a session zero exists do the thing now make an archetype that you may or may not be familiar familiar with if you're a D number cruncher you're going to go ahead and like you know build your character from the ground up and so i really i i again kudos to you guys yeah
1: going back to that i'm like okay well now we've done the we've done uh we we've done first edition (laughs) what are we gonna do with second edition now we can go fucking crazy yeah 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 you've got them you've
0: got them now though like now that you got a captivated audience now you get to like just go over the top um so uh i've got one question here um from chat it says emmett do you gm or do you run a game right now yes
1: both and can um, you can you,
0: you talk about it a little bit while i go and talk to my family so i'm doing that thing this is a rant cast tradition you you got to you sing do him, man. Song, buddy
1: <laughs> i feel like i should talk yeah i'm good i feel like i should talk to here because this is where the chat is but i'm going to talk to the camera uh yeah so i am not mostly a forever GM, but kind of by choice. I prefer to GM. Um, I just finished up our Tomb of Annihilation campaign for d 5th edition, which we've been playing for about, I don't know, since the book came out, like two 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 and a half years, prolonged breaks between them. Um, and now we are starting into our Soulbound campaign, finally. So we'll be running the starter set in Brightspear. And everyone's gonna be making characters rather than using pregens um, because that's just how my group is. So yeah, we're we're running that at the moment. Um I'm playing in a game again, D&D Storm Kings Thunder, um, where I'm playing my monster hunter warlock hexblade, I think. Um so yeah, I'm playing in that, but mostly I like running games. I have I picked up Star Wars Force and Destiny. Uh, beginner box, which I really want to run as well because I've never actually run a Star Wars game. Um, what's going on in your game? And my starter in my Solvang game, nothing so far. But uh, oh, actually, sorry, no. The the Grund just crashed into the Kindling Forest because um, we're kicking off with uh, Crash and Burn. Um, who do we have? We have Imrin, the Asharan Tidecaster. We have. I can't remember anyone else's name. We have Derek, who is the Karnoth Hunter, uh, and then one of my mates made an Endred Master with a big ass hammer. Um, and then when we get to Brightspear, I think we might actually run one or two of the side quests that's going to appear in Cities of Flame, which is the supplement coming with GM book. Sorry, Elaine. Um, yeah, so Cities of Flame, along with GM book, should be out very soon. As in maybe within a week, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so Elaine, one of Elaine's adventures in that, um, Lights in the Gutter, is about Skaven, which I think would be a nice change of pace. So I'm probably going to do that. Um, there's one or two other adventures in there. There's one called "Steel Birds," which is kind of a continuation of the story of the Grund, which you can imagine, see popping up mm. fairly regularly, I think. Uh and then after that we'll kick into the adventure in Brightspear. Which should be good. Um, then what's the plan after that? I might go to Anvilgard because I love Anvilgard. Guard is like one of my favorite cities in Age of Sigmar. Um, and we have six adventures set there. Or, I'm not gonna actually talk about that much, but we should be showing off the cover very soon. Um the yeah, so the the start of the starter set, you basically, to give a little more information on Brightspear, you are... <sighs> For some reason, I decided it'd be a good idea to make a city that looks like an orrery. For anyone who doesn't know what an orrery is, just Google it, O-R-R-E-R-Y. But basically, you so you have um, the lower tier of the city, which is the old city. And then around that, the new city, which is being built in the vein of Azerite structures built built out in rings. And then you have the upper tier, which is like a plate sitting on top of it, um, like Midgar basically. And then beneath that, you have these kind of arms coming out. Each topped with a sphere representing each of the nine realms, including the realm of chaos. And the entire upper plate slowly rotates. Um, And then you have the bright spear spear shooting up straight through it. Um, so yeah, the, 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 start of the starter set begins with that, um, which is where we're going to go to next, which should be a lot of fun.
0: Love uh, it. Welcome back. Yeah. No, welcome back to my own show. Good, good job. I think
1: <laughs> I just talking about brightspear. It's all good. I'm just more, more back to brightspear. So,
0: so was, is, is, is I, I, a question that just kind of occurred to me now was writing in brightspear like writing in your own homebrew into, did it feel a little bit like that?
1: Um, not quite, because I think like a lot of it actually, I think came from uh, TS and initial conversations with Elaine Um, and Katrina had been involved as well and a couple of other writers. Um, So we're kind of just chatting about it. I think I did come up with the name Brightspear, which I'm going to hang my hat on. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um,
0: you named the
1: thing. I was like, that's mine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I basically just read the, the Celestial Warbringers thing. And it's like, sometimes they're called the Spears of Sigmar. I was like, "Oh, there's already like a lighthouse here. Let's just call it Bright Lighthouse."
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. See, Bright. Uh, <laughs> put in uh, Alan Wake reference. Got it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so I do want to. I do want to like talk about one sort of one thing. So like, um, you guys, uh, I should say all y'all like released uh, this pretty ambitious project, the first Soulbound RPG, right? Sure. Uh, yep. Amid like sort of a, a like a um, a global pandemic, right? And you you yeah, continue sure. to play this, and you you mentioned earlier on the um like how like uh, you know Cubicle Seven kind of relocated to Ireland and it was going to be like centralized there, but then you also mentioned like one of your writers in uh in you know kentucky I, I i missed where elaine might be from uh use some australian scotland works.
1: somewhere in scotland i think so, somewhere in sorry, scotland sorry Elaine lane if i've outed you as nah, being in scotland I, I she's, got,
0: uh, she's got a scotland uh, she's got a scotland flag in her in her twitter handle. oh awesome cool yeah yeah so
1: yeah <laughs> um Dundee. oh my degree is from dundee i never went there
0: <laughs> um so you you have this like international crew essentially um sure and at one point, maybe a central, more office-style gig, but then you, you had this, like, international crew. I I guess, what was it like writing an RPG, releasing an RPG in the mid- in the midst of this this pandemic? Did you have to adapt, or was it kind of like a good, like a cool signifier of the changing of the times that you can compile these different stories from across and around the, the bout? And then what challenges you have sort of managing that as the, you know, the producer, right?
1: Yeah, I am... Um... There was a couple of things to it. Like, I mean, getting it out during the pandemic was great. It was a really good achievement. It also really helped the company because, you know, a lot of RPG companies are, a, a huge amount of the income from RPG companies comes from bricks and mortar, comes from people walking into a shop and buying a book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so trying to replace some of that with digital sales is a challenge. Um, well, so it was actually a really good time for both Wrath and Glory and Sold to come
0: out. The, the art in this book, especially, like I would go into, I think about, you know, sort of like more like classical or me when I was getting into RPGs where mm-hmm. I just had to buy every RPG that I saw, like I'd go to Gen Con and like every booth, like I was a mark, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like the art was like one of the big standouts. This book's so beautiful; the, the art is great, and yeah. I feel you lose that in the digital side of things a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you, you need to view it as a two-page spread because a lot of it sits better as a two-page spread. Like, yeah. um. So I, I can't wait to get the book. But, um. But in relation to teams, so let me just try and think. Okay, so yeah, a lot of the team in Ireland is more so the managerial team, I guess. So we have. You know, Dom's there. Um Elaine, a different Elaine, is our like uh, business officer. Uh, then we have me and Zach and Porek, who are all producers, and we have two graphic designers, Rory and Rachel, and then we have our shipping and customer service team, Kieran and Anthony. Um oh, definitely Odonna, oh, oh, who's our head of marketing, is over here as well. So that's the kind of core team we have. God, I hope oh, Kira as well is um is here as well that's our core team that we have in ireland and then we have um sheena quinn um which is si Foda. if you ever see her in a book it looks like sign uh it's sheena quinn she's our editorial head she's based over here but doesn't work in the office um because she she lectures in trinity college i think over here then we have chris who's an editor um And then on the actual soulbound book in relation to what writing was needing to be finished off yeah elaine was doing the pastiary ts was doing his stuff ts is based in california i think so elaine's in scotland TS in california the other writing was done um from the other writers which was like david geimer clint werner josh reynolds um i think david and clint are actually in the uk i think josh is in the states um but yeah yeah for that last bit of kind of gathering everything together We're at stage, I think the only outstanding writing was Elaine. Later heretics. And me. (laughs) Um, And Elaine got hers done way before I got mine done. So (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah, but then it was, you know, handing off to editing. So Chris did the editing, he's in Kentucky. So nothing was really different there. But we started to hit friction when it came to doing the layout and stuff like that. You know, it's it's much easier to walk across a room and tell and, and say hey uh, we actually just need to move this over a couple of pixels than try and put it in a, mark up a PDF and say send the notes like that. We also had an issue unfortunately with our um, graphic designer. he lives in this like black spot in it's Ireland like where the internet yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like fucking dial-up basically like it was horrific. And the files are huge. Like there are a couple of gigs of files. So, you know, when you would output the, uh, even outputting the uh, PDF for me to review, his computer would run slow, and then it would take a while to output it. And then he'd have to upload it. Then I'd have to download it, make notes, send it to him. Then he'd have to download it again. And yeah, this is like that a week long the...
0: affair, right? Like this is like he, he sends the file out on like the beginning of the day. You don't get it until dinner. Like
1: yeah, yeah. Like to to, to give a direct example of that was basically the PDF was done. I think Wednesday evening, the day before it came out, and there are one or two like typos and errors in it. And I think the bookmarks hadn't been exported. We basically just hadn't ticked that one. Was the
0: what was the the rolling joke in the in the chat there about one uh, of the typos? Like you forgot to capitalize something? I can't remember what. it was.
1: Oh, Slyveneth was in there anyway. A yeah, few times.
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Um,
1: but yeah so so basically the, there was those few issues and um, you know it was like 5 o'clock so people are finished working but you know people have been working some extra hours but at that stage it was like okay by the time this entire books get outputted again so I was like fuck it we want to get this out tomorrow so I opened it in Adobe Acrobat I didn't have the InDesign files because they were too fucking big to send so I opened an Acrobat and I made some changes changed a few things nothing major but without realizing that introduced some errors so when i edited a page in acrobat it fucked up the kerning in a couple of places people probably saw it in the first first pdf that went out there was like one of the carried pages the kerning was fucking crazy and some of the spacing between the letters was nuts um but yeah so that was kind of the biggest challenge i think it was just because one of our people had really bad internet so we couldn't get that quick back and forth but aside from that it went relatively well um i think it was a good sh- Good litmus test for us, I suppose, um, and a, and a good way to see how well things stood up. Because um, the company had primarily worked remotely before, but for us to get a core book out while working from remotely was was a big thing. It was also like a little bit of a bummer not being in the office when it released. You, know, you want so... that, like
0: you you want to bust out the the good bourbon that you yeah did. yeah, yeah. We're like,
1: oh we did it hooray! Uh, whereas it was just like you know we were on call we had a you know a group chat to
0: like Skype or Zoom or whatever
1: yeah. yeah yeah and we're like okay we're going to put it out now and then we're like it's out okay fuck the website crashed <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right the uh the early surge of uh uh downloads I, uh, yeah no i i uh that's right i forgot yeah. i forgot that was a thing that that did happen oh my gosh yeah yeah
1: apparently we actually got doxed basically cuz we were on we were on the second highest server that amazon can provide i mm. think and it was it, it, it we, that's the same server we'd use for Wrath and Glory launch, and it was the same amount of traffic, and it was fine. But it's when we launched Soulbound. I think around that time there was a lot of WordPress sites being like bombarded with bots and things. Um, so that was actually what it was. You know, I'm gonna say it's the traffic, but uh, it was the traffic and a load of bots going to the site. Mm-hmm. So I think it took maybe two or three hours to get us back up. But by the end of the day, we were on the most expensive, biggest fucking server that <laughs> Amazon provides. I, which we should not have needed but that's where we ended up
0: no i I think uh, I do think that like um that this has been a sell for from from someone who does play the actual like war game itself a bunch like'm I'm, I'm a big I talk about my com- I am a writer and uh but I'm not a neo in the community so I don't know how, how deep you are I'm not technically a like a neo I'm not on the, like the, the narrative side of things too much even though I'm very much a writer brain narrative. I played RPGs first. I got into Warhammer because I was over at my friend's house making a character for TMNT the RPG in, like, the early 90s. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, I was making a character for that, and I looked over on his shelf, and he had, like, he had, like, old-school high elves, you know, like the pewter yeah, you know, and I'm like, what's this thing? And that's how I got into Warhammer. So, like, I'm an RPG guy first, but, like, First taste is free, right? Right? Yeah, <laughs> right here, baby. Um, no, but like, what w- what happens is like, um, when you go into like Sigmar, if you listen to like my content, like I usually have like a competitive skew. I talk about like the the like competitive aspects of things, building good lists, so on and so forth. And so like, I feel like from a personal standpoint, it kind of like it gets like lost that how much I love storytelling and RPGs, and and I feel like it gets lost. And so when 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 all of the tournaments get canceled, which is really how I kind of exist in the AOS community. Is like I, I play yeah, tu- yeah. tune up games with my friends. Uh, you know I I, I uh, you know theory craft and I do stuff. Basically, it's just like I'm in I have lab phase and then I have tournament phase. And so like all the games I play yeah. in Age of Sigmar are, are lab phase, if it's at home where I'm just like test does this work? Oh, is this a cool combat? yeah and then like i go to a tournament and i'm like and then i'm like ha, ha 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 look at how clever i am right like that's it and so then to suddenly be making a podcast and you know telling people how to write a good list and like oh you know i think the seraphon book is going to kind of take over and it's going to be great and like we don't get to see see that play out cuz i'm like i'm in the middle of yeah. telling you that like seraphon's going to be the next hot thing it's going to be the next boogeyman and you don't get to see it play out and then like and so me Luckily, my show's always been about these, like, rabbit holes and the random other conversations, but I do have that that competitive skew. And then Soulbound comes out, and I get to really let that inner part of myself out of (laughs) how much I'm just a nerd for this stuff, of of the story and, and things. And I think that it's been a great salve to the community where we're suddenly like, we can't play games together, but we can play games together still. Like I can't push my models in front of your face because, you know, um, Lulu, my my partner, she's she's high risk. She, you know, uh, I have failed, I have failed a three inch charge with a reroll before in my life in playing the game of Age of Sigmar. I'm not going to do that in reality, and the the love of my life is dead now. You know, like yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. So, so now like we we retreat to online. Um, and you get to like play tabletop role playing games together in this world that even if you're the filthiest meta chaser stereotype in the world, there's a region you play Age of Sigmar instead of War Machine or whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. because this world is what's I think is is really the the engaging, beautiful. Like, our models are the best too, but like also the the world is fucking
1: <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm, they
0: are <laughs> right, right. Um, and so like I, I think that that like this was a great salve to. For the community, and so you had that run on the servers of people who probably weren't even going to get into RPGs, and like now they are because this is the next way to interface. And so I just I, I I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of it. um Also, you gave me the digital download uh, when I bought my physical copy. So um, I don't know. Dom maybe was the one who said that you should do that. I, I don't know who who.
1: Uh, that's kind of always been his his thing. Really? Uh, I think because we have the bricks and mortar program, which is basically if someone goes into a brick and mortar shop, as long as they're a la- like part of the bricks and mortar program, which is actually what it's called, the store owner can go, here you go. Here's a digital copy. And they'll give it to you as well. But um, So Dom's kind of always been part of that. And he's kind of of the opinion, you know, if people are going to pirate your stuff, they're probably not your customers anyway. So give your customers the PDF, basically. It's the um, same thing
0: it's it, like pirates are going to pirate just don't get in the way of the people who want to actually give you money
1: yeah exactly yeah cuz i mean like the the i've just gotten into um star wars force and destiny which is the um the fantasy flight star wars game and because of contractual issues well I, i'm assuming they can't release uh, pdfs um speaking from experience with uh, lord of the rings it was basically um it gets a tangle because the, the the contracts aren't specific enough basically it's like you have the digital rights to this so ea has the digital rights to star wars mm-hmm. a pdf qualifies as like a digital game mm-hmm. so fantasy flight can't release the pdf for that basically
0: gross my point
1: is i can't get the pdfs for any of the all the Fantasy Flight stuff I want. So I'm like looking at eBay as like 100 quid to get a 90 page supplement and shit like that. I
0: I don't know how your laws are in in Ireland or or the EU but like in in the States, you are allowed a, essentially a scanned copy of your thing if you physically own it, right? Like you're allowed that. And so like theoretically, like I have a whole like massive awesome bookshelf, my bookshelf's over here, it's just off screen. I have this like awesome bookshelf with a bunch of like RPGs. That's all that's on that that bookshelf there. Um, like, I'm allowed to physically, oh, like, since I have physically purchased them, I'm allowed to sit there and scan every one of them. And then yeah, sure. But like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna download the PDF and then like tell you to take me to court.
1: Yeah, yeah. you
0: know, or, or like the one that looks slightly jankier, so that like prove I didn't like scan this. Like, <laughs> it, 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 like burden of proof is on you uh you know because my american yeah, yeah. but like so so like why get in the way of paying customers wanting to like have your thing by the way as a rpg nerd i despise pdfs i hate them they're inferior i want to physically go through the book and you know, I, I mean, here's my oscar rapers tome sitting right next to me because i was taking notes for a podcast i've got a stack of crap like I want to physically have the book and page yeah. through it we talked yeah. about it it's the not
1: the same it's not the same like
0: no no, no. like it is uh, i am settling if i'm looking at the pdf of an rpg <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah.
1: like, like we we have all the digital copies of the you know the battle tomes for reference hmm. but we also have the physical books and you know i have some of the physical books that on my shelf the rest are actually in the office but i'd much rather go and get the physical thing and go hey this is actually well, uh, you know it's much better to leaf through the book than well, Scroll through a PDF.
0: Yeah, well, like a, a PDF, for instance, like watch this. I'm going to – some super high-tech uh, things going on here. Okay. Hey, I found something interesting in the book real quick. I'm gonna just going to put my thumb here, and I'm going to go over here. Oh, cool. Look, I'm back. Like you can't do it in a PDF <laughs> no matter how good the, the bookmarking control F control – like it's – you just can't do it. And, <laughs> and then when I have post-its all throughout my own book – like literal post its hanging off the sides and stuff, where I just like I grab the post and then I flip to the the section of my book. No PDF has ever simulated that for me.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. Well, uh, I, I was giddy when I got the I found the Force and Destiny uh, core book by pure chance. Someone on an Ireland D and D Facebook group was like, "I'm selling all these books," and they had Force and Destiny and another supplement, and they were selling them both for forty quid. And like the Force and Destiny core book, which is four hundred and fifty pages it's like a hundred or something more when you go on eBay or Amazon or like that. And it was like 40 quid for the two books. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. It had a bit of damage on the front and I just taped it shut. And it's perfect now. I don't know if I'll ever play it, but I just love having, I'm a collector. I just love having books on my shelf.
0: Well, I think that's part of the, the nerd that draw to go back to the table too. Like if Sony unlikely, it does Sony goes under, you know, my digital library of my video games are gone forever. Yeah. You know, the, The 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 digital thing that that you have, like you don't actually own it, you're licensing it. You're you're borrowing it temporarily. Like there's a uh I've gone back and forth on this because I'm I'm a big tech nerd and I love technology and, you know, top of line computers and I want the newest phone and so on and so forth. When it gets right down to it, like my games I physically want and my my entertainment I physically want so that you can never take it away from me. I own the VHS original holy trinity of Star Wars because like with the exception of Laserdisc I can't get the proper Han Solo scene you know what I'm saying yeah it's on yeah. VHS because when it went to DVD they that was the remaster thing like yeah give me my like my childhood in a case that is personified I go
1: like I, I'm, I'm going through that now like with my son I'm like how how, how am I going to show them the proper one um, people are going to think I'm a heathen, but like he saw episode seven first. That's because fine. I really wanted to rewatch episode seven, and he that's was fine. in the room.
0: That's fine. So I was like, okay. No, yeah. this but, is um, no, no. The Star Wars is a great talk about like fandom and the longevity of fandom versus the worthiness of fandom. One thing I will give up to Star Wars is no matter where you watched it in time, when it caught you, you became a Star Wars fan, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's 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 worthy is that you became a fan. Um, yeah. I
1: mean, you know. like, I, I actually, I really like the new Star Wars trilogy. Um, Rey is probably one of my favorite characters. My son really likes Rey, but I also have a daughter who's, like, one years old. And just the fact that there is a female Jedi that I can go, hey, look. Rad. Yeah. Um, it, it makes such a big deal. But going back to, like, the digital thing, and this kind of circles back around to the tweet that triggered all this, one of the most interesting phenomena, I suppose, of the last... 10 years, maybe, like, the whole digital generation is Silent Hill PT, which you, like, cannot get legitimately anymore. Like, it's, I, like, this urban legend now because I, it was removed from the store and I, people have just, like... it, it, it can't... I, can't, it I have stuff. a PS3
0: I can't ever uninstall that from. Yeah. Or it's gone forever. Um,
1: And it's going to, like, live on the internet because people have put it on their PC yeah, the and they've moded it and all yeah. that kind of
0: shit, like yeah well, but that's we...
1: amazing to me it's like this this digital artifact that it never existed as a physical thing and because of konami and whoever else they decided to remove it so there is no way to get it and like i can imagine to be in 10 20 years like oh this game exists and be like no it fucking didn't well like, it's I, I... like the et the atari et basically well
0: it, it does it a the, little bit of a, a a legend with them throwing it in like uh, landfills and stuff like that. They did do that, but like the copies are around. Like they didn't get rid yeah, of it yeah, entirely. Yeah. Um No, this is again like you you've done soulbound interviews. You've 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 done di- on text, and you you've gone on you know like various shows. Like it was when you tweeted about Silent Hill, where I'm like, now we have to talk. <laughs> Like that was oh, finally, it. finally
1: saying something interesting.
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It's just like I didn't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste your time because like if, if I don't have anything new to add to the zeitgeist of gaming and nerdery and life and then like I'll let better people do it. You know, like I'm I'm not going to be the groundbreaking breaking interviewer where you say the thing about the thing that you've been talking about for, you know, three months. Like I'm not gonna get the oh, big yeah, scoop. Yeah. You know, but like, we we talked about like horror tropes a few times now already, and like, um, so like I, I have a particular background, uh, you know, i i insomniac, so like Silent Hill is already in my like, cerebral, yeah, yeah. you know, I like insomniac, um, you know, night terrors and 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 sleep paralysis. This is like part of my thing, and all... so Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, I've got the trifecta of like uh, sleep for me is torture. Uh, it sucks. Um, but I write really metal-as-shit horror stories, because write what you know, and when you, like, are sitting there paralyzed, you have this, like, dog-faced demon snarling at you, and Mm. you're like, I know it's not real, I know it's not real, I know it's not real, but Matrix moment, your mind makes it real. I can write a hell of a great story about that thing, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, so, like, HP Lovecraft also, like, had, um, I mean, super racist, but also had, like, really like vivid night terrors and so a lot of like the cthulian mythos that you know or cosmic horror which is becoming the more acceptable term like is from person trouble, like just had whose brain just like went crazy when they went to sleep right like so i've got that going for me and so silent hill really really resonated because silent hill is a story of personal horror right yeah um it, it 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 just like um, Harry versus James is like a classic. I feel like that's a uh, welcome, everybody uh, watching this show about Soulbound. We're about to go on to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, to you can check that. out or check in depending on. your <laughs> yeah.
0: <problem>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hype for this convo. Um, but like. Before we go on to that, the, the thing that you did on like the Charlotte interview, which is where you actually. How did you end up? Uh you know what was your path to becoming the, the 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 producer for um for Soulbound? You actually I heard you yeah, say sure. video games.
1: Yeah, I'll kind of skim through this quick. Um so basically I did a um a 2-year degree in college for game design. Um where I learned a ton of stuff, but it was very broad strokes. It was you kind of touched on everything. There was a bit of coding, there was a bit of art, there was a bit of 3D modeling. Uh, game theory was m- the thing I loved most in that um, Then after that I was like okay well you need to be specialized to get in the industry And I had always been a pretty Like a decent artist so I was like okay I'm gonna go do Animation Which it was in the same college and it was Actually a, like a world renowned college So I got in there And I realized that Everyone else is better than me um, <laughs> So I almost quit <laughs> but I Kept going Um but then, kind of like in my my third year, it came about that we, you know, we were doing a group project. It was a bit of a mess, and someone basically needed to grab it and kind of pull it together and and get a hold of it and try and organize it because it was four students. Like they're never going to fucking organize themselves. Um, so yeah, I ended up you know, basically I, taking... as a
0: student. I I kicking and screaming and last minute that I will do the thing. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I was like, okay, well, we have two minutes of film. Okay, well, these two seconds have to be animated and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And if you don't know animation, two seconds of animation is if you're doing traditional hand-drawn, you're drawing 24 frames. Otherwise, you're animating that in 3D models or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, yeah, I basically uh, went, okay, we all have to do this.
0: Several, several hours is really, like, the translation, like, the impractical. Yeah. A-, a hand-drawn, like, for, like, stop motion of, like, of like 10 seconds is like 20 hours of filming and hand stop run. motion
1: is fucking crazy Grueling. like holy shit however like however bad like traditional animation is like flipping the paper back and forth yeah. stop motion is next level shit like um Grueling. Grueling. A akubo on the two strings is one of the most beautiful films i've ever seen in my so life. so
0: good right
1: if you look at the background it scared the shit out of my son actually i need to go and watch it again um if you look at the behind the scenes stuff of how they did that it's just Holy crap!
0: Oh, it's so cool. Um, Kubo on the two strings. Uh, uh rantcast slash uh 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 Emmett endorsement. Go watch it right now. We'll pause. You can come back. We'll, uh, go watch. Yeah. It. okay We'll just wait. Hang yeah. On. Welcome just back. back. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. All right. So you watch Kubo on the two strings. You're caught up. Continue. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. So after that, I I ended up in an animation company. Again, I ended up doing a bit of project management and stuff in there. The animation company decided they wanted a little bit of a games kind of they split the company into three which it was like animation advertisement and games i was over the kind of games part um then from there i left that company and joined another company it was dedicated um app company making apps for kids which was a storytelling app which it was something i was kind of quite invested in um whereby like a kid could play through an app and at the end of the app they'd have a book that they had created Mm -hmm. Really cool idea. Never quite a hit exactly where I wanted to. Um, But kind of, you know, towards the end, things turned a little sour with that company for a variety of reasons. Um, Just when things were kind of looking the worst, my mate sent me a text and he said, hey, have you seen this? And it was an RPG company looking for a producer in Ireland. I was like, this can't be real. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it's literally... All like without exaggeration, like all of my life choices have led to this point, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we talked about up to that point.
0: Uh, go ahead. No, I talked about bracketing earlier. Like, if I had wrote a narrative of your life, I would have yeah, written yeah. it this way, yeah, like, I would have, yeah. like, like, yeah, with it, starting but, but, with the dis- The lead
1: up to that, I had been like for a year, I've been like honestly, like, miserable in the job, and a way of getting past that was. I was creating content for the DMs Guild, which is the D&D um, community content program. So I've been creating content for that, which was kind of helping me get out there. And I had actually ended up managing, like, quite a big project within the community for that.
0: Yeah, I, I um, my Gunslinger class, I'd never published to it. I, I wrote a Gunslinger class, and, like, it's just sitting on my computer right now because I'm like, oh, they're just going to reject this because their Gunslinger classes are all about, like... um I don't know, like m- m- like alchemy and mechanisms, and I just wrote like Clint Eastwood tropes. The class, yeah, so you, yeah. You have like you have a little. One of my archetypes is the man with no name, and their whole thing is if you play the Ghost Walk RPG, where like you have anonymity is the power. Is like if they don't know your name, then you have like bonuses against them. Like so, I wrote yep. the like man with no name as like an archetype, and then I so I wrote like a bunch of like Clint, big, dirty, hairy, like just you have a single big gun, and like so I did this like whole. And never try to even publish. Uh, like I'm like I'm gonna submit this to the DMs Guild. Yeah, like, eh, no one cares. I about, mean, like, like, gunslingers. N-
1: n- no one cares about your gunslingers because they have Matt Mercer's gunslinger. I'm sorry to say, right, um, right,
0: exactly. And like, not. and he's like got the true. And I'm like, yeah. Why would I even send this into it? And like, yeah. my angle is completely different from his. And his is just a like a bastardized version of the 30.
1: The the, the uh, Pathfinder one, yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm just yeah. like, wow. It's it's
1: it's, it's- it is a good class, and we're going to go on it off a tangent. But again, it has that thing where we're
0: gonna the better past? you
1: are, the more likely you are to fail because it has critical fails, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I had a gunslinger class I wanted to do, which is based on the Dark Tower.
0: Yes. So. <laughs> no, that's in there. Like no, no, I've got the um uh, essentially like he's got like an animal companion, mm-hmm. um and like um because uh, Roland is his whole thing is he so. It's the two the, the two gunslinger version, and it's called the reloading trick, uh, nice. because when uh, Stephen King writes, like he did his trick when he's like just mm. reloads both guns in the in the first book. I'm like, so I wrote yeah. that in as like the ability is called the reloading trick. So it's like, nice. how can you dual wield like two revolvers? So like I just took like quintessential gunslinging. So like we have like the one big gun, which was the closest to the alchemist one, and I think they got medium armor instead of light armor, because like you know they're just like this is the the brute force gunslinger, and then we had like the the dual wield one, and then I had the an- the man with no name. So those are my three archetypes.
1: Nice. Yeah. I would I, get those, but unfortunately, you are not a member of Critical Role, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're not going to do great.
2: Right. Uh, just mm, for the record, I love I, gotta, I
1: love I, Critical Role. I, I don't.
0: <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um. Yeah, do we disagree about one? Th- I. I I love what Critical Role is doing for uh, exposure of RPGs. I hate that it costs a, a sporting event ticket to go watch them live, and they just don't seem to care about it like, oh, you just wanted it to be $300 for a VIP ticket. Like, weird that, like.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with these people getting paid at the same time. You know, I would never go and watch them live because I think their live games are their worst games.
0: You should get paid to do what you're good at. Yeah. No, no question. Artists should get paid. Writers should get paid. Producer, like, if you're good at the thing, get paid for it. Make your money. I will never harsh on you. But I feel like RPGs exist in that, like, shared space so much that it, it just it mm. feels awkward to me to pay, like, a sporting event to go to it. They should at least have the nosebleeds where it's free. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. you just watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. It's behind a paywall. You on can't. YouTube, no, it's not. Uh, critic, uh, on, on Twitch, it is. So and I exist in Twitch. We so oh, so go okay. back all the way Sorry. back to like that's how I make my bank. It's Twitch. Uh, Twitch is behind a paywall. I can't go. I can't go look at their their old episodes. I can download them, but like that takes that takes my mobile data plan, and so I'm not going to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So anyway, I joined. <laughs> anyway, 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 and, yeah. Uh, no. And yeah, that's where I am. So that's kind of like a rough bit of my history. So I have a kind of background in game design, animation, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I know just enough to be dangerous, and not enough to actually get hired for either any of those skills.
0: Oh, you're a writer. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bullshit. Yeah,
1: I, 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 I'm a mediocre writer. I'm a mediocre artist, and I'm a mediocre animator. But I'm a pretty good producer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. on. So, um, so you you land this like culmination of all the moments job, and. Uh, but you started, and this is there. You go. Thank you for hanging out with us, sigil Like you're the only one who cares about this so far. But you started out at like video game, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Like, what was it about video game? Why? Why was I'm going for video game design that started it? W- was there some core, or was it like the trend? Like, I don't know. What was the mentality?
1: Yeah, I think I think I kind of always been doing game design without really realizing it. Do you know, because I was I was thinking about this a little while ago, and I remember being like six or seven years old and creating levels for sonic like just drawing them in my notepad in school um
0: i love this i i did i, I have what was called uh i i did a, a stick mazes. um mm. I, I i used to draw essentially sonic uh sonic levels um with like the spikes from the sonic pits and stuff and the spirals Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that like in my own notebook. I would I would draw like essentially I called them stick mazes, but they were just Sonic levels with like spikes and the thing and the whole point was you were supposed to like um it was stick figures that you're supposed to like animate through it and so you're supposed to draw your like stick figure getting through the platforms and stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and like I didn't I didn't have a video game concept. Uh, you know, I'm 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 35 years old. I basically grew up alongside the Nintendo, right? Um mm. so like I had no concept of of like animation per se, but I just like I knew platforms and levels and like wanting to like see the player player my friend in second grade get through that. You know,
1: like Yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember doing that actually as well. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um Yeah, so I think like that was the the earliest Maybe, but... Yeah, yeah it was kind of that thing, and then, you know, when I was a teenager, I reverse-engineered the fucking ad from Baldur's yeah, Gate. Yeah, that's and amazing. Stuff.
0: I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um I did Zelda yeah, I thought, Dungeons, is I... what Sajil did. So Sigil was doing a little bit of the same thing we were doing, but, like, drew the, the Zelda Dungeons. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I... I... Yeah, I, th- I don't know how it happened. It's kind of like, once I got into it, I realized I was, like, relatively good at it, I think. Um... And it's just, it's something I always been interested in, and gaming, and the experience of gaming, and what that gives you, depending on what you're playing, and... Well,
0: if, if I may, I, I feel like when it comes to... I, I think that games are, like, essentially the next stage of art. They're just a the logical progression of, like, all art has given us throughout human history. Um, so you have, like, you know, cave paintings, which we found out, like, were also, like, they weren't, like, high art. Uh, some of them were the literal equivalent of dick pics like yeah. there were sonic there
1: were sonic levels
0: yeah they were sonic levels or like or like they found this cave where like the it was an in, one big inside joke to draw the next biggest picture higher up and like you had archaeologists <laughs> like just like puzzling well why would they be drawing them in these configurations and going up this way and like and then they finally found out they got some anthropologists in there with the the archaeologists this was like colleges and they're like, oh, it's the most elaborate like peeing contest in the history of humankind. It's just yeah, who could we, draw we the picture? Of the, yeah, no, we haven't. <laughs> and so like I like I, I just I think like like stories and and telling stories and and. The art of telling stories has constantly evolved. You know, from the cave drawing, Socrates actually said that the written word is destroying the... What is it? It's destroying the art of the told story, essentially. Like, Socrates, like, the written word is destroying the art of telling a story. Yeah. You know, like we've we've had through all of human history, we've we've been we just want to tell stories and jokes, like tons of jokes. We love jokes as mm-hmm. a, as as a, as a culture, um, and and so like we 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 invented moving pictures, and we we invented you know the novel is a relatively new concept. I don't know if yeah, don't you can at me with with the Japanese scroll, but and it's not technically a novel. It's a long form kind of a fiction, like. Um, but like the, even the novel, the printed press novel is a very, very new thing. And then like video games are just kind of for me, video games and RPGs are like the newest form. This this newest iteration of like trying to tell each other stories.
1: Um, whereas- yeah, yeah. I think they're kind of they are their own thing. They and 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 you know we studied a lot of this um, in college as well because. A video games still haven't quite developed their language for talking about them. Like, there's a language for talking about novels, yes. there's a language for talking about films. Yes. Whereas yes. a lot of the time, video game language it adopts other languages. Kojima you know? is like, going... if you ask someone, okay, what what's gameplay? It's like, well, it's uh, yeah, it's like a feedback loop, basically. Is
0: yeah, but is it like what what is worthy gameplay versus not worthy gameplay? Right, like hmm. like um, you know, what are the cardinal sins of game design when it comes to like. Playing a game versus telling a game, um, you know, board games have mechanics, right? Can mm. I give you a video game where you just run right the whole time? Is that a worthy experience, right? Like, it, like mm. we're 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 currently, I think Hideo Kojima, going back to PT, is going to be taught like Citizen Kane, you know, like as just this this a video game director that just kind of got it and mm. pushed the boundaries of what's even going on. Um, and yeah. I th- PT, to bring it back to PT, PT was the spark of some of the most beautiful, ingenious storytelling we were about to get in the format, and then we just, like, we're never going to get it now. Yeah. We got, we got Death Stranded instead. That. We got Death Stranded instead, and I'm just like, I don't care. Uh, yeah, cool. Balancing yeah. act with... Pertinent for COVID, because, like,
2: mm. it's all
0: about a plague, but, like, PT was, um... Looping through the same set piece over and over and over again with subtle differences, and you're supposed to talk to humans on the internet to solve the next puzzle piece, and this whole like societal aspect of solving PT
1: that was yes exactly
0: going on, where like you can't get the uh, the next level if you haven't talked to other humans. Playing a linear experience that's mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah. It it was absolutely amazing. You have a bit of it, like, I think you see some of it with kind of Dark Souls, and, you know, when a new Dark Souls comes out, you have this... Yes. Yes. Dark Souls is fucking amazing to me, simply because you have, like, oh, there's this entire, like, four-hour area that you might not find because we hit it in a really fucking obtuse way, and there's no way of fucking finding it. Or the thing with that, is it Dark Souls 1 or 3? Where the actual fucking DLC is almost impossible to get to cuz you have to like bloodborne smash one of the crystal golems and then go back to that location later and talk to the person and it's yeah it's it's so yeah. Roundabout yeah, Blood- it bloodborne happens. was
0: the same thing like i was in like a new game plus loop on bloodborne when uh the the old hunters dlc came out and i'm like mm. i have to go back and fight Vicar amalia and like oh she's already dead i can't do the like queue of events with like the the DLC cuz it's just like it put a new item in your inventory and yeah. I'm like I what do I do with the new item and I was already advanced past that game state and you have to like go on the internet and like talk to people and like like I I think RPGs have already kind of been doing that the collaborative aspect of solving the puzzle but like with a video game where it's like you've got this like kind of linear experience but then this like collective like paradigm around it, I I think that's video games are really cool in my in my opinion in terms of like what they're doing with art and storytelling, um, mm. because for the most part I feel like most of the art forms up until now have been like a monologue of the artist, with the exception of like yeah. improv acting and um, RPGs and we'll get to video games. Most art has been like a monologue. I am Da Vinci and I you know, paint my scene. And then you have to stand in front of it, and you just absorb my scene that I said to you. Essentially. Right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I, I, directed and wrote Citizen Kane. You're just gonna absorb that. You have to, like, receive it. And we can get into the death of the author, but I don't feel like it. Like, but when it gets right down to it, like, you know, J.K. Rowling, like, fuck you, turf. But, um, like, with Harry Potter... Uh... <laughs> No, too heavy? Too heavy? Uh, sorry. But like, I'm just so... Mad? Yeah. Yeah, like all kind of mixed up about it. But but the point is, it's not hers anymore. Because she said yeah. she delivered the line to an audience, and the audience picked it up. And they got it, and they go, message received, but the art is ours now. With video yeah. games, what I think is interesting about them is like they go, message received, but also, and then they give it back to you.
1: Yeah. I yeah. think
0: video games get to like they have a, a back and forth and a dialogue in real time that other art forms don't have. That's what I think yeah, is absolutely, significant. Yeah. That's what I think is significant about 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 video games as an yeah.
1: You have a Yeah. You RPGs game. to some extent, but I mean like one of the things I'm
0: But tabletop are, I'll let you finish your point, but the tabletop RPGs is a shared experience in a in a a, a central point around your group.
1: What yeah. your awesome
0: yeah. group does in your dialogue doesn't transcend the medium. You know, like yeah. it, like what you do with the Forgotten Realms setting doesn't inform Forgotten Realms forever, with very, yeah, very yeah. few exceptions. But like whatever you do in your awesome group, you get that dialogue in the real time with each other, but it doesn't go on to like then give that feedback to the medium, the way that video yeah. games do. Yeah. That that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But Yeah, continue your point. Please, please. No, I was just going to say, like
1: last year, I got into, um, I got really heavily invested in the Mortal Kombat fighting competitive oh, scene.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, and like, I can just imagine being the guys who create Mortal Kombat and then seeing someone like Sonic Fox or whoever go and use one of the characters they create and go, oh, I didn't know that could do that. <laughs> because it's just, it, it, the game changes once it interacts with the people. And it, it's yeah. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's not yours anymore. They go and change it. And I think one of the most fascinating games to me that I never ever want to play is Eve Online. Like I love reading stories about Eve Online, but I never want to play it. It's just that ecosystem is something I can't comprehend. But it's it's basically like it's it's almost like the singularity. Like it is escaped control of the game designers, and it's just. The people in the game are actually the game now, which is just absolutely—that's
0: fantastic, incredible. Like, come like, on, yeah. that's awesome, right? Like, th- like this is the the death of the author in real time. Like, th- we are, you know, we are the game now. We are the system.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the, and then you have the counterpoint to that, where you have some like Last of Us, Last of Us Two, coming out. Last of Us is one of my absolute favorite games.
0: I think it's and Last of Us. I think it's the best game of the last generation. Like, objectively speaking. You've got a great story, great gameplay, so on and so forth. Um, I have a lot I have a lot of opinions I haven't crystallized on The Last of Us Two. Um, Naughty Dog had some serious missteps in this game and I guess their story was leaked. I don't mind that their story was leaked. I haven't read way. anything
1: on it. I'm like, yep, nope, blackout, I'm I'm in, as And right, that's where that's I'm, what what I'm at, mean. is
0: like I'm in blackout mode. I will tell you my opinion on it later because mm. the the last of us is one of the it's one of the pinnacle achievements I think of like the the video games as art
1: personally yeah, yeah.
0: like it's like I,
1: I played the last of us before I had kids I think I can't remember when it came out but uh, I replayed mm. the last of us recently I'm playing the start of the last of us while having a daughter is just fucking so even more brutal. devastating like, um, but I think one of the things that the last of us does is to some extent it, it it doesn't like you're not a hero. Joel's not a no good guy. no And it the violence in it is very visceral and there's parts of it you're like, I feel icky doing yes. this. this is just fuck, that, this is fucked up that I am doing. That's this, like. the
0: first thing I tell to people trying to interpret the last of us, Joel is not a good guy. And you know that from the end,
1: but also they lead you to that point where you're like, absolutely like, yeah, I would do exactly whatever fucking Joel did. But like like
0: you, you, they, the, 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 the dissonance between playing Joel and like, and like understanding him and what is going on narratively is super significant. Like he is not the good guy. It is summed up in a single scene. When she's like, how did you know that was going to happen? he's like, I've been on both sides of that ambush. Yeah. Like, he just, he, he tells you he's the bad guy. He tells you he's the bad guy. You, 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 but what video games do with you is if you're playing the character, you, you, you sort of suture in with the character, you sort of, like, assume the character. This is what video games do as an art form that I don't think other games have, like, completely nailed. If I tell you the story from a, I think film can do it a little bit, and I think books can do it a little bit, but nothing will ever get you to really vibe with the thing that is in the story as playing it. You know, like, uh, Anthony Burgess's uh, uh, Clockwork Orange comes to mind immediately, where, like, you're reading it, but, like, this is a bad character from the onset, even though there's a bunch of made-up language and blah, 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 like, you're like, I am a bad, I'm reading about a bad person being bad, you know? And then, like, oh, and then, like... Thought control and brain manipulation and so on and so forth and all those themes come in later when you're playing joel you're like i'm the protagonist i'm killing the zombies blah 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 but the violence is visceral he tells you mm. i've been on both sides of this ambush like it it you're being told the whole time i'm the bad guy i'm the bad guy i'm the bad guy and it like pays off with the he's the bad guy yeah but from a very exactly yeah like he's
1: it, so selfish in yes. that instance. But also, like, at the same time, I played through spoilers for The Last of Us do 1, do by the way. I played through that bit at the end, and I didn't realize you could not shoot that doctor. I was like, I just walked in and shot him in the Shot hand. him immediately. Like, boom, get the yep. Book. yep.
2: <laughs> well, uh, only
1: for I saw a playthrough where you didn't have to kill that guy. I was like, oh, I feel even worse now. um But, like, well, at the same time, I was like, yeah, I would do that because at that stage, like, you love Ellie so much. Like, you just want her to be safe. And then, like the bit at the end where she knows he's lying. I was going to say you're lying, but she knows he's lying. Right,
0: you were gonna you're going to say you're lying because just... you're already in the jail yeah. mode. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But and and she just kind of accepts it as well. But it like that clearly paints their relationship the and tension there. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. That's that's, that's in where the next
0: I'm at. Sejil, well. uh, 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 you said it, it doesn't need a sequel. I think it does because hmm. that tension point right there at the end—that's the story I want to explore. I know that Joel's the bad guy. I want to see the game where Ellie knows he's the bad guy, but they have that relationship tension. I don't want them to like I again, I haven't read the spoilers. Don't don't tell me. I don't care. I saw that they're they got bombed and they leaked all their story and there's stuff going on. I don't care, don't tell me. Um I'll ban you from all my stuff. Don't tell me. Um I want to see the tension of her recognizing he's kind of the bad guy, but still having this kinship with him. That's the story mm. I'm super interested in. I don't care yeah. about anything else. Yeah. I don't care if the zombies have taken over civilization has mm. started to fight back. I want to see that story. Because yeah. that's... Like, I... Yeah, go ahead.
1: I I would have been happy... I would have been fine with there being no sequel as well. But I'm happy there is a sequel. But also, at the same time, I have like this pit of dread... At the thought of playing it, but not because... Like, I know it's going to be good. I've seen all the reviews. It's like 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, 9.5 out of 10, whatever. Like, I know it's going to be good. But I, like, have this dread as to what an emotional toll it's going to have on me as well, you know?
0: I I, I identify with Joel so much because I consider myself a morally good person if we can, we if we have a measure of morality and goodliness and I think that like to be a good person it supersedes to be a human because like we have basic human things that just happen you know we have like basic, sure, yeah. you know and, and the whole point of like what makes you good is going this is bad like if I just like in the heat of the moment murder somebody then I was bad so maybe I need to engage my higher brain functions and not be that guy Yeah. yeah. But like, emotionally speaking, I know for a fact what it is like to be in parent mode of my kids, and like Mm. the 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 length I would go to, and like I would be the I it would be the Wolverine blackout rage mode, and at the end I would be like slap the handcuffs on me because I know I was Mm. evil in that instance, because like and this is bracketing again, yeah it, with him, Joel, carrying his daughter, and then at the end, carrying Ellie, like, it's, it's so good. Tell me more. <laughs>
1: you know, like... Yeah, exactly, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was so glad when you got to play as Ellie in that, and I can't wait to see what an entire game as Ellie's going to be like, but also I am just dreading it at the same time, because it just looks brutal. Like, I... And they've done so much more in this to make the violence less glamorous as well you know like the thing uh, you might have seen where they're talking about but basically they've given pretty much every single character in the game a name and when you kill them their friends call out mm. like their name and like and like that's just like a really
0: that's bruno why do you hate it's... me game
1: it's it's a very simple way of driving it home, and they didn't have to do anything else to the gameplay. It's just an audio cue where it just says, "Oh, Billy, no!" And you're yeah. like, "Oh shit, that guy was a person. He's not just he's not just a bag of XP or whatever."
0: Yeah, yeah. he's not a loot out anymore. He's got an identity and a character, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I need to use the restroom really quick, and then we can wrap this up. But like Sejil, oh my gosh, um, PT, why are you mad that we'll never get? P- pt the game that was supposed to be
1: oh god jesus um well i love norman reedus um i'm just a huge fan of silent hill um i think silent hill has been done a huge disservice as a property um whatever you want to call it you know team silent was never supposed to succeed Silent hill one is good Silent hill two is fantastic, Silent Hill 3 is pretty good as well, uh, I would say better than 1 with PT it was a chance to see what a someone like Hideo Kojima who I kind of hit and miss on he someone with that kind of vision, that auteur um, taking something like a property like Silent Hill and putting his drive and focus behind it um, also a big fan of Norman Reedus and I would have liked to be him as a main character but yeah. um, I think that would have been really interesting I started with Silent Hill 1 um, I remember playing Silent Hill when I was really really sick at home one day I think it was like I don't know 10 or 11 years old god I don't know when Silent Hill came out and I remember trying to play Silent Hill and I was playing it in bursts of it yeah. um, the European version I think was censored or was it the American version either way we had the uncensored version there was like a bit in a school with like the ghosts of the kids or something I think I'm trying to remember now um but yeah we had the uncensored version I played that through bouts of like dizziness and illness as I was trying to get through it um and then I played Silent Hill (laughs) 2 myself and my I say myself my sister played that I played it and my sister watched me play it my older sister and we were both just terrified the whole time like there was a bit where right early on at the start you're walking down people might remember where you're walking down the a street and uh, one of the things scuttles out from under the car and she screamed and her screaming made me scream and then my mum burst into the room to see if we were okay um, but yeah Silent Hill 2 absolutely terrified me I'm still terrified of fog um, my granddad used to live on a military base because he was in the army so every now and again when we go to visit a air raid siren would go off Which always fucking terrified me. Uh, When I was in college I wrote my thesis on Silent Hill 2 um, on James and and, uh, his psychological trauma trauma and all that. Um, And him being, again, the bad guy. Um, But yeah, with PT yeah, PT I just find a, a, a unique artifact of this generation. The idea that a digital game could essentially be wiped from existence except for the fact that people have it on their hard drives and some people backed it up on the internet. PT itself as a game, I think, would have been very interesting to see, particularly with Kojima doing horror, which as far as I know, hasn't really done before. Um, So I think that could have been a really interesting look with someone with such a strong vision and a strong hand in everything they do. Like, Kojima seems like the ultimate like micromanager but you know in a, in a the good way producer um, I...
0: the, like like that like he produced like if you yeah. were in our R- tabletop rpg hand
1: yeah like i mean i would have liked to see i think he would have instilled in whatever team was working on that i think he would have instilled the same thought behind everything to do because i find with a lot of his stuff whether you like it or not there's a logic to it and there's been a thought process behind it and He's gotten there for a reason, and there's a cohesive vision, which I feel that a lot of the Silent Hill games have since three have lacked. Um I four think. Four was. I will nice defend game,
0: four. Though. Don't don't. I will defend four. The,
1: four is very interesting as well. Um, I, I, I like, you have. I can't remember the name of what what it was, but there was like a four player co op Diablo style. Yeah, I don't care about any of that island. stuff. No, yeah.
0: no, 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 no. Um, the the death of the Silent Hill was transitioning it from essentially the, the Japanese team to the American team, um, mm. even though I believe Four was the American team. They got that initial team was like a team of fans that kind of got the the meta of mm. Silent Hill, and then from there it all like what was that? Like Four
1: wasn't even supposed to be the Silent Hill game, right?
0: Yeah, this. They, they, I mean, this is like the uh, the doki doki panic or whatever of, uh, of mm. like Mario Two is not really Mario Two. It's a reskin because uh, Americans weren't good enough to play the the real Mario Two, and no, oh, uh, the lost so, level. Then. Yeah, so they, like, we got a we got like this weird uh, like core other game, but what they did with what they had and the meta plot is really what I'm in for is, like, the notion that Silent Hill can come to you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Like, that's, like, for me, that's such a win. Like, uh, when, so, I went for a, uh, uh, I was actually an English lit major, right? That's what I went to school for, so English lit and uh initially in english education but then at some point i got super jaded about the education system i'm like no 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 no, selfish i'm in it for me i want to be a better writer i'm going to be the best writer i possibly can be and um and so i thought that like learning about all the writers and learning the theory of writing would just make me the best writer possible um but there's this there's this point where like i can see them get jaded with, like, the Silent Hill property. Mm. But keeping that core, like, meta plot, this this notion that, like, Silent Hill can come to you, and that, to me, because Silent Hill is a, is a story of personal horror. Yeah, um, absolutely. The mistake the games make later on. What P.T. succeeds at is personal horror, right? Norman yeah. Reedus's character or whatever is going through this linear loop of personal horror this building narrative of like the person murdered in the radio and like what the other Silent Hills get completely wrong basically from that point on is making it a horror game rather than a personal horror game like yeah. jump scares and like, look at how this creepy grotesque thing is. Is like, what makes pure Pyramid- sexy nurses? Yeah, sexy nurses. Oh yeah, sexy nurses. No, sexy nurses are only scary to James.
1: Exactly. Like, and like, there's nurses in Silent Hill three, and they're not sexy. Like, did people just miss that? But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. No. And, and this is this is why why are this is your why you're on the show right now. We're going to solve right now why Silent Hill is. Uh, Silent Hill 2 specifically is the best game ever made. Um, but it's it's the Citizen Kane of all video games, if you ask me. Um, I don't know what your point is. Uh, real quick before we dive into it, what's your, what's your, can you even say a favorite video game of all time or the best video game of all time? Either or, because it's a different category. Favorite is different
1: yeah. from the best. At this stage, Jesus, I don't know. Silent Hill 2 is definitely up there. Final Fantasy 7 was very formative for me. Baldur's Gate 2. Like... Divinity Original Sin Two, the that came out a few years ago, is one of the best games I've ever played. It's such a, a perfect evolution of Baldur's Gate into what it could become. But like for best games ever, yeah, like Last of Us, of Two, Final Fantasy Seven are like my games for very different reasons. And um, Final Fantasy Remake, by the way, is fucking amazing. They Aww, did such a good it's job. So good.
0: That. It's so good. I'm like uh, a uh, rabbit hole within the rabbit hole. I love Final Fantasy VII Remake. My great fear, one of my earliest YouTube videos is me playing Psychonauts, being worried that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be bad. Yeah, It's the most <laughs> hipster thing you could possibly watch on the internet right now. I'm playing Psychonauts, and I'm like worried that Final Fantasy VII is going to be bad, um, the remake, because I was worried they weren't making it for me. That was like my big core thing is like, is they were making it for a new generation of nerds. And by the way, like if you've watched the show, I'm cool with you jumping on new nerddom at any point. Mm. Once you're, if you jump on the bandwagon and you stay, you're just a fan now. I don't care about bandwagon fans. I was worried about them catering to the bandwagon though, which is a much different worry for me. Is they don't, they're gonna like lose the heart of the story. They're gonna throw in a bunch of like, I have played Lightning Returns, okay? Like they're going to just. Spectacle without any heart, make an RPG, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I was just worried about that. And Final Fantasy VII Remake, to its great detriment, it was, it was made so unapologetically for me, I don't think they can recruit new players to the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or like, I if... haven't finished it yet. I'm on, like, Chapter 15. I have kids, so I only get to play Fair enough. sporadically. Yeah, but like, yeah, same. The, the um... There's so much more heart and feeling to it. And I think they actually, they do a good job of asking some tough questions. Like Tifa breaks my heart in it for, she's wrapped up in this, but I feel like she doesn't want to be, but she has to be. And, you know, Aerith is amazing. Like my best friend, one of my mates described her as having the best glow up moment where she is just a sassy, amazing character. Now Barrett's interesting. They made like the, the, like tertiary avalanche Jesse, characters. Jesse, really you, interesting. Didn't,
0: you didn't need to give me more. Jesse, I was already upset about Jesse yeah. going to die. I played. Spoilers, she dies. And yeah, you I feel like they could have fixed need... Wedge,
1: though. Like, yeah, he's oh, still I'm still too much of a slap, slap guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Ooh, Soren showing up dropping uh, five gift subs on everybody. Thank you so much, Mad Lab. No, nice. like, I, I, I'm not. I feel like they really explored the characters way more.
2: Mm.
0: You know, like, they, they had, like, all the things I like about all those characters is already there to begin with. And they just explored yeah. them. Even, uh, why did I like Cloud? Because he's an asshole merc. He's yeah. even more of an asshole merc. Early. Like, he goes through a full character arc. That's what makes Cloud yeah. really awesome. Is He's got this amazing character arc. Uh, spoilers. Uh... You don't play him at one point in the video game. Which is unheard of for an RPG hinged to a single main character. Yeah. At some point, you don't get to play him. I know Six like six, was an ensemble cast, so I don't count it. Mm. But if Forehead said Cecil, suddenly you don't get to play Cecil. Mind-blowing. But they happen. made
1: Midgar feel huge as well. Like, Midgar oh, feel the... monstrous. But like the the thing with Cloud, there's a whole passage in the middle where Aerith is bringing you back to Sector 7. And that whole high five thing throughout the whole thing—that's just absolutely lovely. And oh, yeah. then there's a bit later on where, like, again, spoilers for Final Fantasy, where like Tifa—it depends on what choices you made—I've learned—but Tifa's like really upset at one point, and she's like leaning on Cloud, and I was just like screaming at the TV. I was like, "Hug her! She was, like, stop being such a fucking robot, Cloud! Like, Quit, being <laughs> Quit being
0: an asshole! Quit being an... No, it's so good." It's so good. I remember also, like, um, so like I I I, I, I cross dressed a lot in high school, um, and stuff like that. And I remember like Final Fantasy Seven, uh, even though it's like maybe it's as a trope, maybe it's a little bit more of the Monty Python thing, like cross dressing for a gag or whatever. But I personally felt like really empowered when like my favorite character in an RPG threw on a dress to advance the plot. I'm just like, oh yeah. So the fact that I love like Doc Martins and and sundresses, like. Cool, like like it just was yeah. super. So like,
1: and the scene it, with him and I, is it Andrea is just—it's so good. Yeah, I love it.
0: Oh, it's so good. so good. Yeah, so good. More
1: dance-offs, please.
0: <laughs> More all of the dance-offs. Also, the hardest yeah. boss in Final Fantasy Remake is uh is the squat boss.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> fucking uh, Tonberry, man! Yeah. I use so many Phoenix Downs. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. I I can't wait, but like. I think video games like, so so the I I have like this this like axiom of gaming, uh, I want to always be playing RPGs, but it takes me yeah. and at least two other friends. And uh, if I can't be doing that, then like if I can have like two friends, if it's me and a friend, then I can play like Age of Sigmar, and then mm. if it's me by myself, then I play a video game like right like so video games for me sure, are still yeah, a right. very solitary experience even though like the trend of video games has been like multiplayer i'm like leave me alone let me have yeah. my like me on the couch with like a controller and like a like a like a like a bottle of uh, a, a bottle of bourbon and just i'm gonna play my game and yep.
1: uh <laughs> I, i'm the same like i i'm, I'm okay or I, I don't really engage with multiplayer games that much i'm I played a little bit when i was younger but i'm not huge into i'd much rather play in something with a story or even like not necessarily with a story just a challenge or whatever it is like i like dark souls devil may cry resident evil whatever yeah yeah. um but yeah the the multiplayer thing i'm just uh, i just no leave me alone i want to do i think there there is there's a move back to that singular experience but again it kind of comes back to right at the start where you're talking about. The video game industry hasn't really expanded and i think like basically we need to be paying more for games and there's a huge resistance to that and it it goes across the like tabletop rpgs as well but like video games realistically for the amount of money that goes into them and the amount of years of work and the teams and everything like that like realistically video games should be like about a hundred dollars each like most video games, there needs to be more tiers. Like your 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 Last of Us, Final Fantasy Seven, whatever, should be a hundred dollars each, and then you have those smaller experiences like uh, Senua. Um, not, what's it called? Shit. Uh, no, Senua, Senua Sacrifice.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Senua. Yeah, like yeah.
1: that. That's like what four, four to six hours, maybe. Like that's, that's your $20. like twenty
0: dollar. That's a twenty dollar game.
1: Yeah, thirty, forty, whatever. Like, so there needs to be more tiers, and I think that needs to be. More acceptable.
0: I, I think the pushback in the video game industry has been like they've they don't want to sell you a hundred dollar video game, so they piecemeal it off to you in these weird cash grab schemes, and that's that makes it worse. When you've got the forced yeah. multiplayer and the like loot packs and stuff like that.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and again, you can understand it because. Do you know, companies have to make money. Like, if you look at, again, Mortal Kombat 11, like, you know, Mortal Kombat came out Cap. 60 quid, you get the full game, you pay another, what, 20 quid, and you get the first DLC pack, and now they've announced there's, like, a new story mode, which is, like, another 20 quid. So, hey, look, we're up to 100 quid. Yeah, you know, The game might be profitable, and people can keep their jobs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I'm not, I'm not mad at you if you make me pay money for the thing I like. I'm mad at you if mm. you're disingenuous about it. Does that make sense? Like if yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, yeah. It, like, um, it, it, the greatest offender for me is still Assassin's Creed. Like, Assassin's Creed is like, uh, like you made me pay sixty dollars for an expansion pack. Like, go, go fuck yourself at that point. Like, I'm, mm. you know, like I, you didn't sell me a complete experience. You sold me an expansion pack, a reskin of a full retail game. You promised. Like, I don't want that. Or Mass Effect. Uh, 3, which doesn't exist yet. I'm still waiting for Mass Effect 3 to come out. But if they had, they would have forced multiplayer into my single-player experience that I played for 100 hours single-player. Why is the... Mul- why are you wasting resources on putting a multiplayer into that game?
1: Well, I fucking love the multiplayer Mass Effect I know 3. you do! <laughs> but so everyone
0: <laughs> loves the multiplayer, <laughs> but I didn't need it! I wanted another... I don't know, 20 hours of story. I wanted my, like... Yeah, it's... It, it... Yeah. It's that
1: dissonance, right? Like, so again, Last of Us had multiplayer, but if you're trying to tell a story in Last of Us about how violence is bad, don't put in a multiplayer game where you're killing people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, for Whereas, novelty, I don't and like I,
0: level ups. Like,
1: yeah, and I, I don't think there's a, a multiplayer in Last of Us two, as far as I'm aware. Let's hope you know. That. Like, it was that big push all at one time. where like, oh shit, you have to have a, you have to have a multiplayer game. Everyone's playing multiplayer. And then I think EA announced that um, Jedi Fallen Order or whatever it is, the the new single player Star Wars game, did really really well for them. So they might put more money into that. Um,
0: I just I I guess what I'm I'm not going to like harp on the games the video game industry too much. I just missed single player experiences, and I feel like that Uncharted
1: had multiplayer, not Last of Us. Thank you, Sajil.
0: Yeah, Uncharted Uncharted, by the way. Uh, I recently. Uh, hey, I used to be a variety streamer. Hey, before I had a podcast for Age of Sigmar. Um, uh, I played. I did my Uncharted marathon. I played through all of them except for one because one is just garbage. Um, it's like a weird kind of wannabe Grand Theft Auto adventure game. It just it doesn't quite work. Um, but two, three, and then basically four, and then the DLC, especially uh, the standalone DLC. Um, all of them. Excellent games. Like, really solid. Uh, Three, two is the best by far because it has the most, like, I feel like the most honored, like, classical game design tenets with, like, platforming being sure. the mechanic and the fact that it has, like, adventure and combat being kind of like a, a secondary or tertiary. Well implemented and good, but not the focus and the platforming segments are the... They knew that they were a platformer right? Like, there's a whole point in that game, in in Uncharted 2 specifically, where I'm just like, I don't want a scripted vehicle scene. I'm so averse. I hate them so much. They're lazy design. Don't do it. Give me a cutscene instead of a a scripted vehicle scene. Don't lie to me about gameplay. I don't... Like, if you want me to just watch a cutscene, I'm still on board with cutscenes. I remember when cutscenes sold me a Final Fantasy game, right? Like, the summoning cutscenes. I remember that. I'm about the cut scenes. I'm okay with it. And they have this moment in, in, in Uncharted 2 where you think Nathan Drake's about to drive the truck and he's platforming on top of the trucks that are exploding. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it's so good. Like, it's a pure troll of the whole scripted vehicle scene. But then they actually have scripted vehicle scenes in the later games. And I'm just like, yeah. you've forgotten the face of your father. But there's are Yeah, re-
1: yeah. <laughs> Like, but then sometimes, like, I, I see a, I see a um, a scripted, like, a cutscene. I'm like, oh, this could have been a quick-time event.
0: I could have played this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I could have played this. Yeah. Don't tell me Worst that. Worst like...
1: thing about Final Fantasy Remake is 95% of the doors, you just press triangle, and 5% you have to hold triangle. That is my biggest fucking problem with Final Fantasy Remake. Or
0: the, the whole barrel scene in the remake. I'm like, I thought I was going to do the things with the barrels. And I'm like, oh, no, just spooky ghosts. All right, like I thought, I had a puzzle coming up. No puzzles. Like you don't have to think at all right now. Just uh, climb the weird ladder. Controls out of nowhere.
1: Man, I'm okay with not thinking right now. I just want to smash stuff with a big sword. <laughs>
0: like... <laughs> Isn't it good though? The combat. Like I thought, I wasn't gonna be on board with it because I wanted my turn-based combat where I can like luxuriate yeah. and I can drink a beer while I like hold the controller, you know? And they're like, oh no, you can still hold the beer and the controller, but then you get to look at Cloud do flippy stuff, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, all right, it's yeah. So,
1: it's so fucking good, and they made every character feel different. Like, I just love being Tifa, just wailing on oh, over and Oh, her
0: combo system is so great. Like, it's it's such a robust, interesting mechanic. I'm like, why am I sadly being Cloud right now where I just smash Square over and over and over again when I can be doing yeah. these, like, cool intricate combos and leveling up? In yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, But... I want to rabbit holes within rabbit holes. We're gonna talk about we're gonna we're gonna finish on like uh, Silent Hill and the horror tropes, and then we're, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna let you go, man, because I've kept you already an hour. Away. Man, I'll come
1: back. I'll come back and talk about more shit. Like,
0: but uh, <laughs> uh, but like um the the story of personal horror. I, I heard you talk about like horror horror concepts coming into your like own personal tabletop a little bit. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. Like um, I guess to be continued, man. <laughs> i've already kept you an hour past schedule um i'm not gonna keep you longer um That's so all good man what was that
1: it's all good it's all good uh i i'm not used to sleeping i have a one-year-old It's all
0: <laughs> one-year-old is this your first
1: no no i have a my little boy well he's four years old now he's amazing he just goes straight down and he sings and he loves bedtime we were at ghostbusters tonight my little girl is the 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 lockdown has had a big impact on her because she's really clingy to all of to to myself, and my wife now, because um, she should have been kind of going out and you know staying with her grandparents and all that kind of stuff. Whereas now she just she has us all the time. So when we try and put her down in her bed herself, she gets she like loses her mind. So um, we're just this week we're trying to trying to break her out of that. So. She's fighting it, so we've had a couple of late nights, but no, we're my, getting there.
0: No, my um, my my three year old um, she's the sneak into bed, uh, kid. Like uh, so our son, he's he's a seven year old, and like, um, he's like pretty self reliant at this point, but like, yeah, sure, he, he co slept for, co slept. I know I'm a terrible parent. Um, but, uh, I was... No, you
1: do whatever you can to get by. You fuck everyone else. You do whatever you need I, to do. I, we like, didn't, just...
0: like, get drunk and, like, lay on top of our kid and, like, suffocate it. No, like, he... Yeah. He... <laughs> we had, like, pillows and a structure and stuff. Um, but, like... So he co-slept early, but then he got weaned off of that and then he was just fine. And with Lily, our daughter, our, th- our three-year-old we no co-sleeping whatsoever you're in your special crib structure you go to sleep and we we did listen to all the like new parenting stuff um Mm. she does not stay in her own bed the minute she get out of her bed she climbed into ours and so like we had to do that thing where we're like we constantly like lowered so you get the crib lower so she can't climb out but at one point you realize that she's willing to climb out and just fall further and so, like, yep. well, now, like, we can't, like, do that to her anymore. So we have to, like, lower the barricades and hope she just sleeps. And and so she just, since she's been able to climb, physically climb a crib structure, she's been able to get into our bed, which has been two years, going yep. on three now. And so she just, like, climbs to bed with us, and, like, there is nothing is sacred. She, like, <laughs> sleeps on a diagonal, the fist in my neck, the foot in, 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 in Molly's back, like... And and it's like you can't because you're a real parent with real work and real stuff going on. Like by the time it's like four a.m. when she comes into bed, oh, I got to be up for work in an hour. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna put her back pick, in her bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, you pick your battles. You do whatever you can to get past. Yeah, like that. that that's it. Like d- this week, you know, kind of the the last few weeks, eight weeks maybe a lockdown sleep schedule has been terrible. So this week we've made a concerted effort to. uh, Try and get get my little girl Zoe back into any kind of routine. Um, she's it's like it's been three days, four days. Okay, actually, it's been five days. It's already getting better, so it's just a matter of time.
0: Hey, Joanna, welcome back. Uh, yeah, it's it's Boomercast now. Thank you, Zoom. Boomercast.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> I am Jen. Why? Uh, I don't know what Jen I am. No, we're
0: we're um. I think we're probably Xenials, which is the the in between of being a millennial and stuff, but. Uh, oh, so Joanna is a zoomie. She's a Gen Z and she hasn't been in chat for a long time, even though she's a moderator. Um <laughs> so she just throwing she just busted her chops.
2: Hmm.
0: No, I, I um man, um uh, I'm just again, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. You got you gotta you got a pair of young Um thank you so much for coming on tonight. This was fun. Yeah, tell
1: you, It was a lot of fun. Come, a lot of fun.
0: come back on later. We won't even talk about Soulbound at all. We'll just talk about, like, everything else. Oh, my else. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anything you want to put on Blast? Any, any um uh, you know, last-minute soap boxes that you got to get on top of here? Oh,
1: not hugely. I mean, like, um, people might know. Soulbound, you can pre-order from our website. We have uh, Free Adventure by Elaine out now, Crash and Burn, which is, uh, like, genuinely a fantastic adventure. I was super excited reading it. We should have our GM screen and more adventures out next week, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And then after that, we're looking at July for the starter set, and then we have tons of more stuff coming down the line. So, yeah. plenty in the pipe. Lots more sold out to come.
0: Right on. Right on. And you just pumping out the... Ca- this, this is, uh, personally, thank you so much. Um, on one end of you're the welcome. spectrum, you have a person who's probably done the least amount of anything ever to have a credit in an RPG book, which is me. (laughs) You
1: say that, but it's all super fucking helpful. Uh,
0: No, I I mean, like, I I played a few adventures. I didn't even... I wasn't even... Like, I've always been the GM. I didn't even GM the stuff I playtested. I'm just like, I'm playing character. I'm going to be disruptive. Because that's the thing. I took that on. I'm like, every RPG playtest group needs somebody being disruptive to the system. I'm like, I will will do that for you guys. I will do that for all of y'all. Um, <laughs> um, and then on the flip side, like, you've got, like, you've got Elaine here in chat, and you who just, like, <laughs> grinded in TS and just, like, did the most to make this amazing RPG. I, I, I love Soulbound so much. Um, I look forward to the second edition, Yeah, Even though you're
1: yeah. still... <laughs> <laughs> no, D100. It's gonna be D100. No! Here here no!
0: No, don't, don't ruin it. Um, I'll
1: make fun I of... I'm, I'm not a huge fan of D100 sim- systems, <laughs> simply because, like, I know the percentage. I'm like, I, I need a little bit of abstraction. I need, like, a D20. I That's need fine. It. That's a little I, bit of abstraction. I need
0: the swing. I need the swinginess, right? Like, I, I need... Yeah. I don't want pure consistency. Thank you so much, Lynn for that follow there. Um... Like, I, I need that, like, that that variance. That, like, weirdness. And, like, deeper centiles are just like, it works or it doesn't, it works or it doesn't. You know? Sure, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, need, I need the craziness. Alright, man. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Chat gang. Thank you. You are the show within the show. You're the reason we do this. Uh, thank you so much. This is technically season two of Rantcast. This is episode one yeah. of season two. I did 52 episodes before. This is... 53 Holy shit. Is... <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, oh, most... 53
1: prime number probably.
0: Maybe, yeah. It, it works. Um 53 is going to be like uh just read the every 53rd page in in your soulbound book. Uh there's like it's it's a Fibonacci sequence of like crazy events. It, like we we figured it out.
1: <laughs> 53rd page is probably like the Carradron, I want to say.
0: <laughs> Carradron are important. I gotta check, I gotta check, hang on, I gotta check,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have the new updated PDF that loads super fucking quick, so, uh, yeah, I'm just keeping that for myself, I'm never gonna release it, oh, Trade Pioneer,
0: yes, yes, that's so good though, like, ah, oh, ah, (laughs) shout out to Rune
1: for the awesome art.
0: I, I just, uh, the, arts, the art is fantastic in Soulbound. What it does for Age of Sigmar is great. And what I think it does for the RPG community is, is excellent. This is, a, this, is a, this is the game that you can approach from a, a plethora of, 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 of angles. Um, they tell you about your Session Zero. Um, you've got the granular, make your own character. We have a Skaven and an Ogre in my game right now. Come on, because like, you gave us species rules to do that with. But then you can just like be like, I'm gonna be a witch elf. Boom. Yep. Out the gates. It's fantastic. It's 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 awesome. I wonder what the fifty third page is for a D and D monster manual. Who knows? I don't know. But it's probably
1: yeah. a fucking dragon.
0: <laughs> probably. There's just dragons in all the pages. A
1: B C is not a lot. There's Abaleth, Bugbear, Cat, and then dragons.
0: Dragons. <laughs> um so Demons. So, Shit. Speaking of, there's a there's a disturbing lack of dragons. I hope that the next bestiary. I'm looking at you, Elaine. Some some <laughs> dragons, maybe.
1: Oh, uh, what is a magma droth if not a dragon without wings?
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Cheers, folks. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you later.
1: Cheers, folks. Bye.